get it going. It's time to get up. Hopkins, centering feed for McDavid, who scores! Nice things a little bit more, being up three like that and, you know, letting them crawl back in the game. And the Oilers have scored four on it's, it's getting so tired of you know, having leads and, and giving it back. These guys are here to break it all down. From everything that uh, I know about Tiger, I'm sure he will recover and he will do everything in his power to come back. I'm sure he will. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. Although you probably don't want to after that last night. It is Wednesday, February 24th, and our Pets heads are falling off. This is the starting lineup here on your home with the Canucks. Sportsnet 650, James Sabalski here, Perry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Beyond, listening to us here on the AM dial at 650. You can also, reminder, you can always catch us in crystal clear HD. And I'll tell you, when we talk about the sky falling in this town, we sound awesome and high definition. You can listen to us on HD3 at 96.9 or the Sportsnet app. Remember the Dunbar Lumber text line, always open for business at 650-650. Get those submissions in for your Canucks in a song. What song best sums up last night's effort for the Vancouver Canucks? Oh, I can't wait to hear the inspirational tracks there. And don't forget, you can also hit us up on Twitter at Sportsnet650. Well, there is a trend, Pear. There is a trend, and it is unbelievable what we have seen from this Vancouver Canucks team in the last nine days. How about this number for you, all right? The Canucks lost a total of three games last year when leading by two or more goals. Right, in a total uh, in 69 games last year, the Canucks lost a total of three games when they were up by two or more goals last season, and in the last nine days, they've matched that total, losing three games, went up by two or more goals, and they've done it in the last nine days. I am finding today challenging the text line at 650-650 already hopping. Our friend John wishing us a good morning and speaking that he is more in line with my attitude that I like to carry through life as positive Perry. But last night was tough. John, I hear you. I had everybody fired by 10 o'clock last night. I had this team falling apart. It is death by a thousand cuts. My goodness, you know, we saw them play Winnipeg. You know, the next goal wins when it's 2 nothing. They get that next goal against Edmonton, and yet you're watching for 40 minutes. That's not going to happen. I was going to text you. There's the late goal that you can't give up, oh. and they give it up. The decisions they make. The final period. You got 20 minutes left in the two-goal lead. Quinn Hughes pitches on the very first shift of the third period, and Brock Besser covers, but they never do get the puck out until it's in the back of their net. Man, this team is as frustrating as you can find. They are not good enough. you got to wear it a bit as a coach who refuses to call a timeout because there's no crowd there. And players just sometimes in their, own, in their own wonderland. And it's frustrating because of expectations. And it's just it's amazing to see them blow a lead. And they could be up 4 nothing tomorrow. And I'd probably log on to a little Betway or whatever your choice is and go, I'll take the Oilers to come back and win. 
Mentally, they're done. I think this season is done for them. I don't know where the positives come from. They're saying, oh, they're going to look at the film and make some adjustments. There's no adjustments to be made, man. You can't do that anymore. Well, this group, this group is broken, right? You look at yep. the blown leads, case in point. Like three in the last nine days, and when you look at where this team is at now, they got a vote of confidence from their owner, Francesco Aquilini, 11 days ago. 11 days ago, there was Francesco Aquilini before they finally snapped a six-game losing streak. There was the vote of confidence from Francesco who said, look, I believe in this group. I'm not making any changes with the general manager, much to the dismay of everybody of the thank you, Jim movement. You know, no changes with the coaching staff. We are going to stay the course. And since that, not only did they lose six straight before that moment, that vote of confidence from the owner, but they've now proceeded to lose four of the last six. You look at the numbers, Perry. The Vancouver Canucks have now lost 10 of the last 12 games that they've played. They've lost 10 of 12, and they are now just five points ahead of the Ottawa Senators in the standings. Like, this is where they're at. And... You want to start looking and exploring the idea of selling off assets, you might as well because you know what? You essentially have maybe two teams or two spots that you can hold out hope for from a playoff standpoint, but this isn't happening. The Leafs are so far out of the picture. The Oilers now have an eight-point gap. This has become insurmountable for this team, and they're just not good enough, man. Like This team is just not good enough this year you thought all the pieces to the puzzle might be there and i think now we're looking at okay does this piece work you know jt miller was loved in this city jt miller yesterday again jt miller's been on the ice for eight of the last 10 goals and sometimes man it's the flyby and i know we saw it and shorty made mention of it last night on the call in the third period it's about five minutes left and and you can see the jt miller pout going to the bench don't need that Corey Hirsch will join us at 8 o'clock. Hershey kind of said, oh, I don't know if I want to get into Miller. That was five or six weeks ago. Uh, you know, Pedersen, Besser, a power play that has a great opportunity to make it a three-goal lead again, goes over on the night. And James, everybody listening to this show, if we said, hey, meet us at, at this arena, and here's your number six jersey, go stand where you need to on the power play. And here's your number 40. You've got the Pedersen one-timer. You got the bumper plate of bow and the odd time of shot, but there's not going to be anybody in front of the net. Where have the adjustments been made to that? You got no juice going from any of your lines. Travis Green talked about feeling the momentum slipping away, yet nothing was done to, to blend up the lines, to mix it up. And so let's see if we can get it back on track. It's unfortunate that the D word right now is out there and it's draft and it's also developed because you're at that time to maybe you're just going to play some guys to develop them and go, this one is done. Saving grace is it's only 56 games. The part is, though, all these games weigh so much more and weigh heavy on everybody because, you know, I can see the text line. Everybody's up early going, man, enough. We thought we were close. We're not. How much of a rebuild is there? I didn't think Travis Green's job would be in trouble this year at all. I wonder if that's the case. I don't think Aquilini makes that move. I think the smart thing is don't do anything yet. But I'm not sure who's back when we all return back in September. Here's the one thing I would say about Travis Green. And and I think there are a few people out there that have suggested the idea of Travis Green. Has this guy really had a legitimate chance 
to really put his best foot forward as a coach. I would say last year when he had a team that you could feel good about, this team was a win away from reaching the conference final last year. His first year in the league as a head coach with the Vancouver Canucks, this team was one of the worst in hockey. Look at that roster. Look at that blue line. Look what he had to deal with. And that was year one. Year two, you got Petey, right? So there was some promise, but that was still a bad hockey team. Year three last year, right? Year three last year, look at the positive steps. Now, they were in a dogfight to try to get into the playoffs to begin with, right? Let's not sugarcoat that. The return to play, but then they knock out the Minnesota Wild. They knock out the defending Stanley Cup champions at the time, the St. Louis Blues, and they found a way to get to Team 7 against the Vegas Golden Knights for a team that hung on. You can credit Thatcher Demko, the old bubble Demko, who has completely evaporated this year. But there was that. There was Travis Green with one team that you felt good about in the four years. And then this year, you take away his all-star goaltender. You've got sub-900 goaltending all season long through almost the midway point of this year now for the Canucks. You took away a top-six winger who was a point-of-game guy in the small sample size that you had him. You took away a heart-and-soul blue liner who clearly has missed more than people realized or anticipated. And you're looking at this team regress. This is this can't all be on the coach, right? You can't tell me that this team tunes out. Like, look at the way this team gets off to starts, right? They can't close games. This team just isn't good enough. That's the problem. I don't think you can look at Travis Green and say, oh, man, this is on the coaching. Look, last year was a top-five-man advantage unit, right? They are not clicking this year. It is the same personnel. It is the same personnel, right? So if you want to look at Newell Brown, but from a Travis Green standpoint, there's four seasons, and three of those four seasons, he's had a bad hockey team. We have the Travis Green clip. Let's, here's what Travis had to say about not calling a timeout last night. It's funny. Uh, now with no fans, um, you almost don't need one because you're talking to your team the whole time as soon as the puck goes in. There's not that lapse of 20 seconds or so for the for the rink to quiet down. Uh, I got them together quick uh, after both goals, really. So I didn't feel like we needed it. There was still 15 minutes left in the game. And, um, yeah, I didn't think I needed it. I didn't know timeouts were called in the first 20 seconds of a timeout. I was, hey, can you guys hear me? Hey, can you hear me? Okay, just hang on a second. Wait till the crowd dies down. You call a timeout to effectively stop any momentum. Even if you have nothing to say, give your players the time to think and go realize we lost it. There's a rhythm to a hockey game. Score a goal, come back to center ice and go. And if you scored that goal, you want to go again and again and again. You call a timeout to say, okay, let's stop it here, man. They score two quick ones. That's on the coach. Yeah, you're right. He's lost some good players, but you have to adjust. Every coach has to adjust. Claude Julian yesterday was on the hot seat and will be again this morning in Montreal because guess what? Expectations are high. Is Jim Benny going to be around? Well, that's that's another argument. I don't think that's the answer. But usually it's the coach who gets takes the bullet for situations like this. So Travis Green, do I think he's safe? Do I think he's done a good job? Yeah, up until now. But I have not seen any adjustment by this staff to go, how are we getting out of it other than, oh, we'll look at the tape. But we're going to put the same guys on the power play. We're not even going to we're not even going to mix up one person on that first unit, take someone and, and put someone from the second on the first. We're not even going to juggle the lines right now because we're losing this game. I can feel it on the bench. People can feel it watching it through the TV, listening to it. 
at some point, you got to take a little heat as the head coach. And Travis Green has had a free run for a long time. He's got to take some of this. You've got a hockey team that's unable to play with the lead. It's because they're not good enough. They're good enough to get the lead. Why aren't they smart enough to lock it down? Okay, so so punt on the coach. What's your answer then? Who do you put behind? Well, that? I don't know. If, listen, I don't know if that makes the change, right? I would say this. I don't think you do anything this year because it's such an anomaly. But now everything is on the table, and one of them is deciding. Is Travis Green the guy taking it forward? He may not be making that decision, and Jim Benning may likely not be making that decision. That is why you said 11 days ago the vote of confidence in the tweet. you got to wonder if the owner of this hockey team is wondering if he has two new guys to head things up, or who does he stick with? Sure. Now, look, from the thank you Jim standpoint, Jim Benning, dead man walking right now, right? When, when you look at where this team's at, I, I – Totally see it, and and it certainly feels like this is the end for Jim, right? The way that this roster's going, this team took major steps back. But I'll tell you what, here's the other thing to look at in the big picture, guys. Boys and girls, children of all ages, this team might take steps back beyond just this year, right? At the end of this season, you know, Tanner Pearson's an unrestricted free agent. At this point in time, you're probably not bringing back Tanner Pearson. Brandon Sutter, goodbye. Right? And a lot of people happy to see that contract, but Brandon Sutter's still a player. Are you taking these guys out of the lineup, right? Alex Edler, unrestricted free agent. Now he might come back at a reduced rate. But when you look at where this team's going, and you're 15 months away from clearing out that whole glut of all your bottom six players, right? But what does that bottom six look like in a year from now, right? Who are you Who are you legitimately excited about and confident about jumping into this lineup? Now, I think there's a hope that before the end of this season, you might see Vasily Podkolzin. But Pat Colson might essentially replace Tanner Pearson. But what's that bottom six going to look like? You know, how many guys are ready to legitimately make that jump to the next level? You know, is Cole Lynn going to be part of that mix, right? Or are you simply just going to try to go out and, and hope that you can do something like the Toronto Maple Leafs have had a lot of success doing over the last year and a half? And that's bringing in guys on the cheap to fill out your bottom six roster, right? Which in a perfect world would be great. But this team, I mean, all bets are off right now. You got to figure out what you've got in this core. Your goaltending, you've got to figure out if Thatcher Demko is going to be your guy, because you know, despite the optimism and the encouragement that we saw last Friday with that game against Winnipeg, Thatcher Demko wasn't very good last night. And look at that goal, man! How many times have I said this? You just alluded to at the start of the show, right? Those late period goals, mother trucker! Come on, man! Like you got to make that save. You got to make wow. that save because then it's a three nothing lead at the end of the first twenty minutes, right? But instead, it's a three one game, and you give them up. You all of a sudden give the opposition a defibrillator, and all of a sudden, hey, okay, we got some life here. You do it time and time again. It's part and parcel with the blown leads. You take your foot off the gas before the buzzer goes at the end of the period, and you give these opportunities for teams to get back into it. You know, after Mike Smith gives up that first goal, you go, okay, good hockey teams can bounce back from that, but but bad ones can't. And the Canucks were unable to bounce back from Thatcher Demko's. Hey, he made that big save on McDavid when Drysdale and McDavid come in, and, and essentially McDavid's on his own. And you go, okay, there's your timely save. So you did that, but then when you have a power play opportunity, you go, okay, guys, here's put this out of the put everybody out of their misery, win it, and you you can't you can't do that. I listen, this team has the core. Right, you know you've got Hughes, you know you've got Horvat, you know you've got Besser. I think the question mark is kind of around J.T. Miller, but I wouldn't throw him out, um, certainly. But the bottom six can be fixed. The unfortunate part, you would think you would have one or two pieces on that bottom six that you want to keep, and there isn't anything right there. 
So you'll think of the changeover we're going to see in this roster when we thought it was close and all you have to do is minor tweaks. You're not going to see Beagle here in a couple of years. If you could move Roussel right now, you could. You're not going to pay the money for Sutter unless all of a sudden he's got no offers and says he'll come at a really cheap price. Alex Edler, as someone said, gives a shout-out to Henry Fonda and how slow Edler is moving. It's kind of caught up to him this year right now, but if he's willing to take some money and you dial back his minutes, but that leaves a big, big void on this hockey team. I think we all assume they would be that much closer, and what we're seeing is, man, there's a lot of work to do. The question is, who's doing that work in the offseason? I don't think it'll be Jim Benning because you have to shop and make some right decisions. His decisions have been right with drafting. He can talk Pod Coles in, but man, it, Hoaglander, we, great. That worked out yet again. Do you have another one in Pod Coles in? And is it fair to put kids in this kind of position where they have to impress? You would hope you'd had a Jake for 10 and could do that. That story is done. Tyler Mott, yeah, there's your bottom six guy when healthy. That belongs in the bottom six, and I'm still going to wave the flag for Adam Gaudet. The fact is, what they have here and what they're leaning on, it's not enough. Maybe physically, but right now, mentally, this team is as weak it is, as it has ever been. And the die factor yesterday, there's six minutes left in a game you have to win, and yeah, you've given up four straight, you've lost the lead, and man, the fight wasn't there. I'll give the fight to Bo Horvat in the final six minutes, but for the rest of them, until they pulled the goal, I'm going... Where's the desperation? Where's the compete that you need? Eddie Jovanovski, you can tell he wants to compete with us on the radio at 7 o'clock every Wednesday. Where is that we are going to win at all cost? I don't see it in this team right now. Uh, Jovokop will join us uh, in about 45 minutes from now. And by the way, if you want one positive thing, and we can talk to Eddie about this a little after 7 o'clock, 19 years ago today, Canada ended the 50-year gold medal drought, winning gold in Salt Lake. So we'll Ooh. talk to Eddie about that. I mean, people hit the streets. They were playing street hockey on Robson Street, people celebrating. There's one positive that you can look to, a silver lining this morning. Uh, 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line is, man, it is going off the chain. We're going to get to some of these people here are in a moment. Uh, but I, I, I want to share a quick clip from Elliot Friedman yesterday who was on the program with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah just weighing in on some of the scuttlebutt around the Vancouver Canucks right now and the possible future of Tanner Pearson suggesting that the Arizona Coyotes are kicking tires. You know, the Coyotes have kind of kicked around the idea of Tanner Pearson if he becomes available. But there's there's no uh, proof at this time he is. I'm, I, I'm not saying that the Canucks have put him out there. I just think that he's kind of on their radar if that does become a possibility. I mean, the only thing I've heard Canucks-related uh, uh, recently was that I think that they talked to uh, Anaheim uh, about Vertanen. But I think that next year contract, the second year of the deal, uh, I think is is a challenge. It is, it is no question a challenge. And, and you look at some of these expiring contracts. Look, it's a buyer's market out there right now as we as you start talking about the trade deadline and trying to sell off assets. I don't think you can expect much in the way of returns for anybody that you're trying to move. Uh, and at the same time, pair, I would also subscribe to this. You know what? Cap space is currency. And it's big-time currency in a flat-cap world right now. So even if these players walk away for nothing, you know what? That's okay for the Vancouver Canucks right now. This team needs to get a hold of their their cap situation, which has absolutely spiraled out of control here over the last, what, six months? Uh, obviously, we've seen this being problematic for a while, but this is something where they got to recognize that, hey, look, you know, if you can get a pick back, sure, that's one thing, but 
you don't want to take any salary back. And, and you're talking about a guy who you re-upped for a two-year deal of $2.5 million, and now you're just talking about trying to make it a salary dump. I mean, just anything that could have gone wrong has certainly done just that for the Vancouver Canucks. You know what? I, I thought Tanner Pearson was good last night. I don't think Tanner Pearson is a top-six guy on a really good hockey team. I think he'd be great on a third line somewhere. My fear factor is how many guys are, 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 you, are you pushing off the boat going, okay, sorry, Tanner, we can't afford that. And so now you're living with, you know, Roussel and, and Beagle, Sutter's gone, Pearson has gone, and those two guys have shown a little bit more. So as much as you have to change this team, at some point you like to keep something around. Uh, but Tanner Pearson for a pick, does the pick make our team better right now? I, I don't know, but I, I think you have to move that money. And again, it comes back to money and mismanaging. I didn't mind the Tanner Pearson pickup, but you, you've got to create some money. It's how you spend that money to to fill the void. And Tanner Pearson will help someone out, but Tanner Pearson was put into a role here. His numbers weren't good because of a broken thumb. In Pittsburgh, he found some life. Um, I think he would be a fit, but not at those dollars. But where do you fill the void? I mean, this team is going to look dramatically different next year. You'll have your core pieces, but it's going to look dramatically different. And it's kind of shocking that in, in two years all this is going to happen. I thought you still had maybe a couple years to fix it because if this was good enough to get into a, a playoff position, you could ride it out and go, you're going to get better. But considering how weak they are and fragile they are right now, I think they're going to need some veterans around. Just can't be Tanner Pearson and his price tag. Okay, Pear, uh, we've we got a few minutes here. I want to get to Canucks in a song here and kind of tee up our tracks. Yes. But I also want to hit some of these. Uh, I also want to, like, there's, there's dozens and dozens of people who have already joined in. And thank you so much for joining us here this morning. At um, Christian of New West saying, the whole franchise is handcuffed until Francesco Aquilini decides on a new GM. Uh, Francesco needs to hire a new GM to give him or her time to address, assess Travis Green, then assess the major off-ice contract problems. Our window is four years from now. I pray that it doesn't get wasted. There should be eight players pressing to make the team, but Jimbo traded them all for a good scout. He sure traded all his picks. I'm with Trevor Linden. The team needed and needs more rebuild. The plank isn't short enough for Jimbo. Um, there's, you know, there, there's, uh, here's Dave. It's a uh, long text. Yeah, it is. I mean, just speaking to the problems, right, of where this team's at. And, and look, there's a lot of people that feel this way. If you fire Travis Green, it could be like trading for a player. Maybe under a new coach, number 18 becomes the player we all want. He's been under Green his entire AHL and NHL career. And, you know, Dave, yeah, I, I think everybody agrees. Some that thought to that. That, sure. that. that the Travis Green and Jake Bertanen relationship is probably done. Um but I think this is also, you know, you can't say that Jake Vertanen hasn't been given opportunities here in this market. To Chris's point, anybody who is interested in the GM job has already done all the work as to what he would do with the Vancouver Canucks. You can't come into any interviews without coming, here's how I fix it problem, right? You've got all that in place already. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of people around the hockey world would say, no, I'm quite fine with the coach. But you sometimes have to have a different message. And, and sometimes it tunes out. Now, I'll also say this, everybody, as we talk about keep Travis Green, treat, keep Travis Green. Guess what? When you negotiate, that means there's two sides. Travis Green, whose family lives in California, may go, this is good. It's been fun, but there may be a better option elsewhere. So you do need everybody to be on board with it. And you got to understand his frustration in the postgame comments yesterday. They were short. He didn't name anybody, but said we had some young forwards that make some mistakes. We had a bunch of guys who didn't play very well. We didn't deserve anything. You know, Travis Green is sometimes probably looking at the window and go, I wonder what else is coming. 
I wonder if it might be a better fit for me personally. This is frustrating. Two to tango. I, 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 yeah. Travis Green hasn't checked out on this team yet, but I would say that last no. night listening to him, he was as he was as as open and candid about this team that just just not good enough, just not good enough. Simply put. All right, let's get to Canucks in a song. We'll get to more of your text here in just a couple of minutes at six fifty six fifty on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Pair, here's my song this morning. All right, they can't stop losing. Right, just two wins in the last ten games. Now they are continuing to bleed blown leads here they can't stop the blown leads they can't stop the soft goals they can't stop from the red hot chili peppers It's just such a good guitar riff. That's the only positive I can actually bring. They can't stop losing. They can't stop the bleeding. But, man, you can't stop but admit that this is a great guitar riff. <laughs> you know what? We were on the same We were on the same uh, situation of, as thinking our Canucks in a song, right? I, I'm, I'm working out yesterday, and I'm just playing this, this random list, whatever's there, right? And it's funny. The song that comes that I couldn't pick... Obviously, because of the lyrics, but Cardi B's "Up" plays in my headset. I just, oh, I thought uh, you were going to say "WAP." <laughs> no, no, no. But we can't play that, right? But you know what came on next is a little electronic dance music. Testo with the old win or lose, and it might be the drafts and developing. Let's get down to business. We've had a million, million nights just like this, so let's get down, let's get down to business. I got you grooving. I got you grooving, buddy. Oh We've had a million lights like this. Oh we got to figure it out. Get down to business, somebody. Frank, make a move. We've got to do something. I just, I just see you with a glow stick for a headband and, and, a, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a tank and a tank top, listening to Tiesto on your Peloton. There, man. It's That's a Wednesday rave. That's a Wednesday rave this morning. Six fifty, six fifty. The Dunbar Lumber text line. Get your submissions in for Canucks in the song. We'll hit some of your tracks coming up in just a moment. A bunch of submissions already coming in. Uh, coming up in a moment, we'll also deal with uh, a, a, another story that has made huge headlines in Dovolving Tiger Woods. But as we kind of wind things down in the first opening minutes pair my daughter also had one as she watched the end of this game and the canucks blow it last night she loves this meme so she channeled it to a song it's cold plays fix you when you try your best but you don't succeed they tried and they just don't succeed that sums up the vancouver canucks It's I Wednesday morning. I gave you rave. Now you're making me sad. I'm crying. Exactly. Well, that's that's the fan base right now. Back with more in a moment here on this Wednesday edition of the starting lineup on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 632, James and Perry kicking it with you. Ed Jovanoski will join us just after 7 o'clock as the Canucks fall yet again, but uh, also happening uh, in the world, a story that made headlines right around the world. And the most recognizable athlete since Michael Jordan was making those headlines once again and for all the wrong reasons. The vehicle traveled several hundred feet from the center, uh, center divider at the intersection and rested on the 
on the west side of the road in the brush. Sustained major damage to the vehicle. You've seen all the images of that. Tiger Woods involved in a single vehicle rollover accident yesterday, and the first thought, I think, for a lot of us was, is he alive? And thankfully he is. Then the jerk in me then thought, who did he get caught with this time? Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But in all seriousness, I think the question does need to be asked, is this it for Tiger Woods? The athlete who gave us so many incredible, memorable moments like, In your life have you seen anything like that? Now, Tiger underwent surgery yesterday after reports indicated that he had injuries to both lower legs, including a compound fracture and shattered ankle. How about this? Rods, screws, and pins were all inserted into his legs. For the most inspiring and dominant golfer ever, it is another major physical setback. He recently underwent a fifth back surgery, and just two days prior to this accident, he wasn't sure and noncommittal about whether he'd be playing in the Masters in April. God, I hope so. <laughs> I got to get there first. You feel um, like you'll a be- lot of a lot of space on you know my, my surgeons and uh, my doctors and my therapists and making sure that uh, I do it. I do it correctly, and um, this is the only back I got, so I don't have much more, much more uh, wiggle room left there. Tiger is a tragic tale of someone who ruled the world and watched it all come crashing down 12 years ago when his transgressions cost him his marriage along with millions of dollars from sponsors. Injuries took a toll on his body until he finally won another green jacket in 2019. An incredible victory that won any of those remaining skeptics over again. No matter how the rest of his career would play out, there would be that win. And that might be the final lasting image of Tiger based on what we've just witnessed the last 24 hours. It's somewhat cruel to speculate what happens next here, but this is the world we live in and a lot of people are asking. But I think we also need to ask how this happened. A single vehicle crash at 7 a.m., leaving his SUV totaled, his body ravaged with serious injuries. Now, police initially suggest that there were no signs of impairment, but it does beg the question, just how fast was he going? Some cops and locals in the neighborhood suggest that several people in that L.A. area have been caught routinely going 80 miles per hour in a 45 zone. And ironically enough, a vehicle that actually pulled over to assist Tiger was actually struck shortly thereafter. Thankfully, no injuries in that crash. Now, we may not know the results of the investigation for a few more weeks, but it does seem clear that speed was a factor. And there's a history, too, right? You go back three and a half years ago to 2017, Tiger Woods pleading guilty to a charge of reckless driving. But the focus for now should be on his health. He's a dad, and hopefully he'll be okay. He's already been so many highs and lows that he's been through in his life, and you know what? He can credit and blame himself for both the highs and the lows. But at 45, coming off back surgery and now surgery to both legs with how much metal in his legs between the screws and the pins and the rods, it is not unrealistic to ask if we've seen the last of Tiger Woods and his quest to catch Jack Nicklaus's record of 18 majors, which all began a quarter of a century ago. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. James, I don't think it's unrealistic to ask. I just don't think it's happening anymore. I mean, you were done. 
you know, I was driving around talking to a buddy and said, and he goes, oh, geez, it's just uh, someone talking about the jaws of life in Tiger Woods. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, don't go where your mind goes when you think of it. But, you know, shattered one ankle, uh, other leg, compound fracture, tibula, fibula, vascular injuries. If he's okay and moves forward, multiple surgeries are still a part of it. Three short of Jack, you're not catching him. You'll be tied with Steed with 82 PGA wins. And we still don't know who Tiger Woods is. You know, the documentary that came out a couple months ago is fascinating. You kind of remember how Tiger Woods took a sport that not everybody watched on a Sunday afternoon. You had to be a player to be interested in what Nick Price was doing or, or the, you know, Greg Norman, what was he going to do? And then along comes Tiger Woods, a guy that we followed. We talked about Sidney Crosby and LeBron James as protégés. Everyone has been watching their move, and they never disappointed. Well, more people were watching Tiger's moves, and then you were disappointed. And I, like you, many in this industry, when you saw the mugshot and you had you had Elon coming out with the nine iron and going after him, yeah, Tiger was easy to, 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 to fight on and to joke on and go, wow, you just blew all that. And then at some point you go, I hope someone around him is kind of like a good friend and going, you can't do that because he gets to choose who's around him. And like you, and we talked about it this morning earlier, you're going fast on that area. There is absolutely no sign of breaking, no skid marks, goes across the meridian, across, and, and rolls as many times. You have to think he, he was not awake. Something was wrong. You wonder why he just wouldn't have a driver taking him everywhere. But he didn't look great on Sunday when he was talking to Jim Nance. Um, and, and you wonder what we will get with toxicology reports. But Tiger Woods will leave the hospital. Tiger Woods will still be a father. And if we don't see him on a golf course or maybe when he's 50 in a cart playing with his kid Charlie, uh, we go, okay, thanks for the memories. You took a sport that not a lot of people cared that much about unless you played and made it as popular and turned it into one of the biggest brands we've ever seen. Uh, just, um, just, uh, changing gears here for a second, wow. right here, but, uh, it looks like the Montreal Canadians, uh, have, uh, pulled the trigger on Claude Julian. Uh, he has been relieved of his duties in Montreal after another loss to the Ottawa Senators. The Senators, by the way, now uh, have won three of four against the Habs last night. Kind of controversial fashion for Montreal, but the Canadians have now named Dominic Ducharme as interim head coach, and they've added, how about this, Alex Burroughs joining the coaching staff as well with the Montreal mm -hmm. Canadiens. Claude Julien, Kirk Muller relieved of their duties this morning, so... Claude Julien out, Dominic Ducharme now, the Montreal Canadiens head coach, and Alex Burroughs, uh, an interim head coach now. Good for oh, Alex Burroughs. Sorry, Alex Burroughs on the, sorry, Alex Burroughs, an assistant on that. But Dominic Ducharme, the head coach, and Alex Burroughs now uh, an assistant with the Montreal Canadiens. Wow. Renola Vaux, who joined us yesterday, had, <laughs> had said that uh, Lavoie said, Lavoie, sorry. Lavoie had said that, you know, Claude Julien was on the, on the hot seat. And I just thought, really? Like, you made a whole bunch of changes to this team. You get out of the gate a lot quicker than anybody assumed. Maybe you weren't that good. Um, but, boy, Mark Bergeron is not slow to pull the trigger on anything as far as trades, and maybe that's not crazy, and a lot of people think, no, it's Jim's fault. Guess what? As a GM, you've got one card to play, and that card is we're not happy with what's in front of us. I can't take the bullet, but someone can, and I think it is a possibility here in Vancouver right now. It would be up to the ownership to go, you know what? A coach can only do what he can with the players in front of him. We talked about the anniversary a couple of weeks ago of Mike Keenan pulling the goalie in the first period when he's behind the bench of the Vancouver Canucks in Toronto. 
kind of going, you know, F you, Brian Burke. I'm doing this because the players you've given me aren't good enough. Travis Green can all do with what he has, but there's the move that could be made, and they do it shockingly to me in Montreal this morning with Claude Julien. You think of what Claude Julien has gone through, what, the last year, right? Remember the heart conditions? Um, yep. That, that he had to kind of pull himself out uh, for a while and dealing with with the heart issues. Uh Unbelievable. Uh, but look at look what's happened in the last, what, five weeks with the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, they look like world beaters when they rolled through here. Um, and, you know, they've gone off the rails a little bit here, having lost five of six. You know, some interesting numbers pointing to Carey Price. Uh, Harmadale had kind of shared some on, yes. uh, on Twitter last night that kind of pointing to the picture that, you know, Carey Price isn't what he used to be. But we'll get more on this. We'll talk to Ed Jovanovsky about this uh, coming up at 7 o'clock. But uh, Claude Julian, there, there you go, the first coach gone uh, in this shortened NHL season. Uh, and it's happened in Montreal after the Habs lose yet again to the Ottawa Senators last night in a shootout, falling 5-4. Um, Perry, what do we got coming up in your moment? Well, speaking of coaches, one uh, did the media tour. Will Mike Babcock change his ways? No BS, just PS ahead. After a tough night on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. Sports at 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. Try and forget about the uh, the big loss last night. A couple other things going on in the world of sports. Uh, some are fans, and a lot are not of Mike Babcock. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for a guy who will still collect $18 million from the Toronto Maple Leafs. But he's returning to hockey in Saskatchewan. Will he change his ways or does he need to in his view? My oldest girl would always say to you, Dad, it's not what you say, it's your tone. And, you know, we've all made mistakes in our life. You have to own everything you've done wrong. And I think that's really important. But I also think your intention is so important. You can't have the wife I have and the kids that I have and the family I have without being a good human being. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. I always said to people when I went to Toronto, I, I got half my salary for coaching the team and half my salary for getting whacked. Yeah, I, I don't know, James. I don't think he's changed and he's going back to work with kids. Maybe he'll be more aware, but there is a long list of NHLers who would question uh, the tone and the intent of what Mike Babcock said behind a bench. Oh, Babs. I mean, look, it's a start It's a start for him to get back into coaching, right? Uh, going back to his roots. Uh, he can kind of fly under the radar and get back behind the bench, and it allows for the healing process. I'm sure Mike Babcock will find his way back in the National Hockey League somewhere in the next couple of years. I, 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 would, I would put money on Mike Babcock. I, you know, I could see him in Calgary at some point. The, res- the resume is too good, and, uh, you know, they can go time heals. And we'll see what it is. Uh, but he goes back to Saskatchewan. The only job he said his wife said, you know what, I'm interested in this. Her family is all from there. So Babs moving back behind the university. And multiple farms, a couple farms in Ohio, a couple farms, of course, in Saskatchewan. He says that's what he'll do when he's all done. But obviously he's got some big paycheck to collect. Hey, uh, P.S., this was great news. Chara in front, Krejci. Oh, save by Lundqvist. Henrik Lundqvist with one of the saves of the year. Marc-Andre Fleury the other night with this shutout tied Hendrik Lundqvist for 64 career shutouts, but Lundqvist, the king, posted yesterday 
47 days after having open heart surgery in January, he said, hey, I'm not going to retire. I might have the drive to get back. Feels good to be at the rink. He was taking shots yesterday. Put on the equipment, took some shots. You never know. Maybe the king will see if he can go out his way. Uh, but he put on the pads. That's great news. That's encouraging. I mean, remember, he was supposed to be with the Caps this year, right? Yep. Uh, there's a veteran guy with a personality that could help some teams, but obviously still has some excitement to go back there and see if he can get it done. P.S. It was only a couple of weeks ago Aaron Rodgers was talking about how strange this year was, but he then dropped that, hey, at least I got engaged. He's officially engaged to actress Shailene Woodley, who told Jimmy Fallon, I'm uh, not exactly a massive Packers fan. I still have never been to a football game because um, we met during this wacky, wacky time and all the stadiums were closed that he was playing in. So I've yet to go to a football game. And before I met him, I'd never seen one football game before. There you go. She said, I knew he played football. I didn't know how good he was. That's probably a healthy relationship for Aaron, doesn't it? You know, Danica and Aaron, they were the it couple. Now she goes, yeah, okay, you're a good guy. I'll hang out with you. Simple as that. I, I think and when you do the math, it's half, half your age plus seven. I think he's okay on that one, right? Barely. <laughs> Barely. Close. She said his dog, the dog was the one that said, you better hang on to this guy because she can't throw a ball and now the dog's going to be tired. <laughs> and P.S. Michael Bolton's been a sappy songwriter, but man, he pokes fun of himself. Almost a million views yesterday from a young stock company who commissioned, it's a non-commissioned fee brokerage, who said, Michael, we need you to be our ad spokesman, and he wrote this song. Tell me how am I supposed to trade without you? I start spending your ad for all so long. got a lot of time for a guy who makes fun of himself. He wrote a two-minute song about a stock firm and brokerage firm and, and stocks and trading and all that. Made a lot of money with it, but that's what he's doing. The public is the name of the company. It makes stocks markets sociable. Basically. You know, as a kid, I had to endure an awful lot of my mother uh, oh, no. listening to Michael oh. Bolton in the, on the radio in the car and just having to be – and it was just always – I mean, it was just on all the pop charts back in the day. It was just everywhere, and it was just like the – the weakest stuff you wanted to hear. But, I, man, I'm with you. Like, the last 10, 15 years, how that guy's kind of taken the you-know-what out of himself and not taking himself too serious, like doing those, the the Saturday Night Live, the Captain Jack Sparrow, the cinephile sure. video. Like, oh, my God. Like, I, I totally have an appreciation. You know, guys like him, Rick Astley, Richard Marks, all the stuff you wanted to barf at listening to in the 80s, those guys have – They've all come across as having a great sense of humor, and you kind of have to respect that here, what, 30 years later. At some point, they have beers with buddies and go, can you believe I got all this from that schlock I was singing? Right? <laughs> and honestly, I think they just go, oh, whatever, I yeah. sang it, they got it. It's like the people who hate Nickelback. Well, whatever, the money yeah. they got, right? They did it. Parents kind of like people. It's like it's like people who listen to us and share their thoughts on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Like, can you believe these guys get paid to do this? Yeah, good or bad, we'll take it. We understand <laughs> it. We have a lot of fun. That's not BS. That's only PS on a Wednesday morning. 
Uh, 6.52. Ed Jovanovski will join us coming up just after 7 o'clock. We'll try to head down to Montreal and uh, and check in with the latest as obviously the breaking news this morning, uh, Claude Julien uh, fired uh, by the Montreal Canadiens along with his assistant Kirk Muller as well. Dominic Ducharme, who was the head coach uh, with their uh, AHL affiliate, along with Alex Burroughs also getting a, a, the call up as well uh, to the Montreal Canadiens on the bench. Dominic Ducharme's got a hell of a track record here, uh, Pear. When you look at his coaching career, uh, coached in junior with the Halifax Mooseheads uh, back when they won a Memorial Cup in 2013 had Nathan McKinnon on that roster Jonathan Drouin as well uh, obviously has had some success at junior also coached Canada to a gold medal at the 2018 World Junior Hockey Championship as well so Dominic Ducharme has certainly checked the boxes in terms of uh, from, an, from a junior hockey standpoint uh, you know trending in the right direction in the American League now he's getting the dream job as a French Canadian right uh, head coach of the Montreal Canadians, at least for now, on an interim basis. We'll see if he can right the ship. Look, this team was dynamite well, to start the year, but they've clearly lost their way here over the last two weeks. And it's a coach that fits the crew, right? It's something we would have said about Travis Green. He comes over and goes, he will grow as a head coach as this team grows. And, you, you know, you link those young relationships, those young stars, Suzuki, Kokanyemi, that, okay, now they'll have a young guy to grow with here. Now, apparently reports are the decision was made yesterday. And the announcement was always going to come down this morning, regardless of the result in Ottawa. I'm always questioning that. I think if they play really well against, against the Senators, Bergevin is going, you know, are you firing a guy after you win 5 nothing? I don't think that's the case. But the story this morning is they had made this decision yesterday morning and always said after the game in Ottawa they would be announcing win or lose had nothing to do with it. All right, 6.54, lots more coming your way. The Canucks fall again, now two wins in their last 12 games. Yeah, the season slips sliding away. We'll talk to Ed Jovanovski, Olympic gold medalist and former Canucks All-Star, Jovo Cop, about it all ahead here on your home of the Canucks. It's Sportsnet 6.50. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Centering feed for McDavid, who scores! Nice things a little bit more, being up three like that and... You know, letting them crawl back in the game. And the Oilers have scored four unanswered. It's, it's getting sick and tired of you know, having leads and, and giving them back. These guys are here to break it all down. From everything that uh, I know about Tiger, I'm sure he will recover and he will do everything in his power to come back. I'm sure he will. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Two minutes after 7 o'clock here on this shaping up to be a gorgeous Wednesday morning. James Zabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. Um, hopefully uh, a nice day might overshadow the problems here in Canuckland and uh, problems in other parts of the country as well. Claude Julian fired this morning by the Montreal Canadiens, replaced by Dominic Ducharme, Alex Burroughs, taken over as assistant as well in Montreal. We'll talk to Ed Jovodowski coming up in a couple of minutes. Closer to home here, though, Pear, I think a lot of people after seeing the Habs kind of make that move, wondering, you know, do the Canucks make a move or sort of a return serve? You know, we got Randy texting in uh, here on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. James Perry, after this morning's news in Montreal, do you think the Canucks will wait until the end of the season to make changes? I think not. Expect similar actions in Vancouver within the next week if the losses continue, more so if the Senators pass them in the standings. Thanks. I... You know, I, I I get it. Like, obviously, you can't just keep rolling out status quo to let this team completely go off a cliff like they have. Uh, but at the same time, 
I don't know what fixes anything, right? It's not like the Canucks are going to jump back into a playoff race here to try to turn things around and play, what, 750 hockey or 700 hockey here the rest of the way to try to sneak in and grab a playoff spot. You know, no, but I, and there's James, no fans in the stands either, right? I think that's the other advantage that they have. Montreal is a team that looks like they got a chance to do some serious damage in the playoffs. I don't know if you could say that about the Canucks. That would be the difference. But you've been in this business a long time. How many times have we gone down to dressing rooms and talked to players to say, you know what, we feel terrible. Um, he lost the job because of us. That's the case. Last night was the only time I was thinking, you know what, do something different. Shuffle up that power play. It's struggling. Juggle a little bit on the lines. I didn't like Travis Green's answer about not calling a timeout because there's nobody in the crowd and, and you know, the players can hear what he's saying right away. You need to stop the flow of the game. That's why he called the timeout. I think he has to wear some of it. Now we really find out about the patience of the owner because is Travis Green the problem? Well, he can only play with what he has in front of him. But do you make that change? Expectations in Montreal and Vancouver were similar at the end of the year because of their performance in the bubble. But then Montreal, the offseason they had, you go, ho, 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 Molson's, they're spending their beer money that everybody's buying during COVID, and they had the space to do it. Travis Green might look at it in a quiet moment and go, well, we kind of went backwards with the deals we've made. It'll take some time. And I think he is the guy. But make no mistake, there's a lot of heat. You know, we played Joe Normuth. I don't care if the team is struggling. Well, we can tell on the text line, everybody cares. Everybody's trying to fix it. Do you move a coach? And does that change things in the room? Is it the right thing? Has he been with these guys too long? It's on the table right now. You've got to consider it. I just wonder if Aquiline will stay as patient as he said he would 11 days ago with the tweet. Good buddy of mine uh, who's a diehard Habs fan uh, texted me 10 minutes ago just saying, when Corey Perry took the first penalty shot, I called my brother and said, Julian is done. Um, <laughs> un- unbelievable that uh, that goes down. Uh, and then we wait to see if, if, if the Canucks follow surf. You know, Francesco Aquilini pair, it was 11 days ago that Aquilini stepped up and came out publicly and gave the vote of confidence to Jim Benning and Travis Green. You know, they stopped the six-game losing streak that night with a win against the Flames, but they've now lost four of the last six games. And in that span, they've blown three leads where they've led by two goals or more. The Canucks all of last year, you think about that, almost 70 games that they played last season, they only lost three games in which they gave up leads of two goals or more. All of last year in 69 games, and this season, in a span of nine days, nine days, they've already matched that total, losing three games where they've led by two goals or more, the latest coming last night when they blew a 3 nothing lead to the Edmonton Oilers. Ed Jovanovski, Jovokop, joins us each and every Wednesday morning. Today is no differences. Eddie joins us here on the starting line. Good morning, Eddie. Morning, guys. Are you in the Are bathroom right there? now or what? What's going on? I don't know. It sounds like Eddie's got a shake going. Why you don't hear me that good? It sounds no, like there's it's not a, great. It sounds like you got it a sounds fan. Sounds like on. you're coming off your computer mic or something. If if I'm going to be a technical guy. Oh, here we go again with this thing. <laughs> here, well, that's exactly what we're saying about the Canucks, buddy. Here we go again. Uh, maybe we'll try and fix this right now and see if we can get to it. Yeah, let's let's give that a go. We'll we'll try and hook up with Eddie uh, one more time as. Uh, Sounds like he's making a shake, and then he's going to the golf course after he's done with us. <laughs> All right, but All right. Uh, that uh, people texting in, and some you know the Canucks don't need to fire Green. However, they need to 
get rid of Jim Benning because he's made the moves for next season. They, they can't have him anymore. The team's got to go forward. Listen, I think you and I have said, James, if this team's not a playoff team, I don't think Jim Benning survives. This and I don't, I'm not changing that. You know, well, look, I, I th- we had this conversation for months leading up to this season and whether or not it was going to be acceptable for this team to take a step back. And obviously, you look at the reaction of the fan base, the expectations that have grown uh, from the run that they had last year in the return-to-play bubble. Was it simply fool's gold? It certainly seems that way because, well, look, you lost an all-star goaltender, you lost a key top six ingredient, and you also lost a top four defenseman and the stabilizing force for Quinn Hughes. And you take those three key elements out of the lineup, um, this team has absolutely hemorrhaged goals. They have struggled to try to maintain. They've just, they lack leadership, man. Like there is, it's kind of the kid's time to shine now, right? The new core with Horvat and Pedersen and Hughes and Miller and, and this core, man, they are trying to learn on the fly and it is not working, right? And maybe they collectively as a core figure it out, but right now this core can't. And that's a problem. Right, they need help, and the the infrastructure that is around this team isn't good enough. Your goaltending is subpar. It's one of the worst in the league, man. Like, look at this. Collectively, you've got a sub 900 save percentage. And yes, you can look at some of the numbers in the five on five and the high danger scoring chances that they have faced. But man, at some point, you got to make a save. Like, you can't tell me that Dominic Cahoon's first goal last night was a high danger scoring chance. Like, that's one you got to make a stop on. You know, Braden Holpe, go back on Sunday night, that tying goal, that 2 2. You know, Mark Scheifele down the wing, taking that shot. Like, that's not a high danger scoring chance. That's what save you need to make, and it gets behind you. Look at the overtime yep. goal for Dubois. You know, look at the Dubois goal from the other night as well, right? I mean, these are saves that your goaltender needs to make in critical tight games, and you're not getting those saves this year. Just like a power play needs to score in critical times, and just like the – you know what I was bothered with the most yesterday? There's six minutes left. You're a desperate hockey team. You're down by one, and your desire seemed non-existent. The determination to go, let's get this one back, really didn't happen until they pulled the goalie. We were determined to get Eddie Jovanovski back, and I believe we have. Jovo, you there? I'm here, guys. Okay, give me your take. You know, you watch this team every minute. We're always texting and chatting. What did you see over the last in the last seven days since we've talked to you, and specifically last night, to blow a lead like that and the compete and determination to get it back? Are they broken? Well, right now, fragile, obviously, over the last, and um, I think you guys said it right. I, I think they're. I think the team is ready to play. I mean, it's evident they're finding ways to to grab leads, but um, it, it seemed like last night, you know, for me, with with the goal with a minute seventeen left. First of all, I believe the goalie's got to make that save. I mean, it's kind of a tough angle. Now you're thinking, okay, it's 3-1, you're going into the locker room, you're still in good shape, but I think what's probably being said in the, in the room, boys, let's not blow this. You know, we're up 3-1, to one, but on the other side of that, they're like, oh boy, here we go. And sure enough, you get no scoring in the second period, and boom, right away, 55 seconds in, there's a goal. Now you're really kind of, you know, it's in your head because it's happened previously. And, it, and it's easy to kind of fall in that path where you need to grab the horns and kind of step foot the other way and, and on the attack and, sure enough, get a penalty. 
you know, a three, three, six minutes left in the game. Now you're trailing. Now you're chasing. Here we go again. You lose the game. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. And we talked about it at length at, at times. And, and when things are going bad, they just seem to find a way at the end of the night to kind of nip you. And until you find a way to win one of these close games, and obviously it got close at 3-3, you got to find a way to really get that good feeling back into your game uh, to win one of these. But everybody's doubting themselves right now, and that's, that's what happens when you go into these stretches where you just can't buy a win. Everybody starts doubting themselves, and you're, you're afraid to make a, st- a mistake. You're squeezing the pain out of the stick. Um, everyone's on edge. And, you know, it, it seems to me that's what's going on right now. And I believe it's a really fragile group right now. And I know the opposing teams are saying it. Listen, if, even if we get down, continue to push. We're going to get back into this game and we'll find a way to win it. So it's unfortunate. You, you, you got the vote of confidence from the owner, what, 11 days ago there, Eddie, uh, that maybe gives, I don't know, a, a, a little, you know, stand down everybody. Hey, I'm not making any moves from, from Aquilini's standpoint, but here we are, what, 11 days later, and they've blown three leads <laughs> in that span uh, to let games get away from them. They've lost another four or six, like two wins in the last 12. Like, are, are, are guys like in the room, are guys waiting for something to happen here now? Like, does that start creeping up on your mind that you're, you're just waiting for the sky to fall or a shoe to drop here that, okay, look, something's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, James. And, you know, we've all been, you know, as players, I'm sure you talk to many of them, there's always been a point in their career where you're kind of tippy-toeing in the room and, and guys are kind of mumbling, you know, having, you know, hot stove talk on, okay, who's going to get traded or, you know, is the coach gone? You know, and listen, you, you can't put the blame solely on, on Greeny. I, I think, you know, last couple of games he's had his group, you know, ready to play. Um, during that span of the game, yeah, I mean, things happen and they end up losing the game, but that's what it boils down to, right? Wins and losses and getting the vote of confidence 11, 12 days ago is, is a good gesture by the ownership. Hey, listen, we believe in our team. We believe in our coach. Um, you know, hopefully we can get on the right track. Now, how things have unfolded over the last couple of weeks, um, not good. I mean, because you look at the standings and now you're falling significantly back in them and it's always a struggle to get back unless you rip off, you know, you know, six, seven games out of 10, you know, to get back into. Um, I don't know where this goes, goes from here. I, I think the players collectively can get together and, you know, make a pact. Hey, it starts with, we're not going to do this overnight. You know, it starts with the next game. Let's, let's really, if we get in this position to close out games, we got we to gotta close out games. And, and hopefully they can, you know, find positives out of that and get on to some sort of role. Do you actually think the product is different on the ice if there's a different guy behind the bench? At this point, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it, it could be for the first couple games. You know, usually you get that shot of, you know, adrenaline, new coach, you want to impress the new coach. Um, You know, these things usually, you know, work out for a couple games. 
But at the end of the day, there's there's something that needs to happen within the players. I mean, you're taking penalties, uh, you with you know guys missing breakaways in key situations, um, uh, opportunities to you know to bear down in, in front and get that next goal to really put games away, um, silly mistakes that you know that are are, are peely mistakes. You know, the gray areas of the blue lines are, are so important. And today, because the transition, especially Edmonton, like especially Edmonton, you're going to give McDavid, Dreisaitl, you know, Nugent Hopkins, these guys free kind of, you know, skating. I mean, McDavid hit the post a few times. I mean, it's it's crazy when this guy's on the ice. You just want to put the puck in areas where he's not going to get it. And, um, yeah, I think just puck management, puck awareness, being smarter, um, playing as a team, having that cohesiveness um, that they showed last year. And I, I know we're talking a lot about the playoffs last year. You know, things are tight. Guys are really into it. Um, you know, for some reason, things are different. Uh, Andrew Manoski here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, are kind of getting up against the clock. A lot of different issues going on. Um, man, it's you know there's so much doom and gloom. Obviously, you know beyond the Canucks struggling, you know Claude Julien's just been fired in Montreal. Tiger Woods obviously in, in, in a bad crash yesterday. So I, I need some positivity. Help me out with this here, okay? Uh, 19 years ago today, buddy, you won your gold medal. Salt Lake ending a 50-year Canadian drought. How awesome was the Selly afterwards? People like took to the streets to kind of just celebrate here. I remember at the time, what was the what was the moment like for you? Do you still remember it vividly? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, thanks, James. Yeah, thanks for the reminder. It was. Um, yeah, it was pretty special. I, I think you know what I recall is you know coming into the locker room, spending a couple hours in there, a um, couple cold beers with the boys, and then kind of meeting the family back. Um, you know, in, in a, you know, a hall where we, you know, had all the family and friends there and really got to enjoy it. But uh, what I, I remember most is actually landing back in Vancouver and the hundreds of people in the airport. And then my first game back, um, having that ceremony on the ice and, yeah. and, and be, able to, mm-hmm. be, able to, be able to share it, be able to share it. Sorry, my dog. <laughs> be able to share it with the... Uh, uh, with the with the city of Vancouver and, and the fans that night was special. So, yeah, these are these are moments you can't you know take away from anybody. These are uh, something you cherish forever, and uh, I was so happy to be a proud of the, uh, part of that group. Well, Ed, we always joke about the the backhand sauce pass that you laid out, but let me tell you this, and we'll kind of tie it to the Canucks. <laughs> the the mentality in that room to accept nothing but uh, victory. Must have been unlike because of the players who were on that team. Unlike anything you've seen, is that fair? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Perry. I think when things kind of go bad, there's bad in the and, and the mental part of the game kind of gets in your head, and and um, it's sometimes tough to overcome. I, I don't know really how to explain it. Just that you're kind of treading water, and you're and you're just stuck in mud and and but you gotta you gotta be that mentally strong to kind of push forward 
Yeah, ninety nine uh, with the whole crock of crap, the kind of the rally the troops, and yeah, and all of it kind of playing out like it did. Um, hey, one of your teammates from that Salt Lake team was on our show yesterday, uh, Jerome McGinla. He went down memory lane about tough Canucks that he fought over the years. Listen to this, Eddie. He was kind of pumping your tires here. They had a lot of guys that um, you know that that they played hard. They they played hard, and and uh, Jovo Jovo was a tie. Got into a fight with Jovo. He was a, a that was a tough fight. He was a big guy. He threw some heavy, heavy uh, punches. And, uh, you know, so he didn't want to get hit by those. Uh, and he had a lot of great <laughs> fights over his careers. You guys, man, like haymakers. Haymakers yeah. when you danced. Yeah, yeah you know what? I- Iggy battled, man. And and I remember on that, I remember on that play, um, I think it was, I believe I was in Phoenix at the time when I really had a, a really, you know, big fun. I chipped it into my midsection and then took like three or four whacks in my midsection. And, and you can tell in his eyes that he was, you know, he wanted to go, but <laughs> kind of where you get, you will be both helmets off because we didn't want to just, you know, punch helmets. Um, and yeah, we had some, uh, and like, I mean, he, he hit me with a couple bombs too, um, but he was definitely a competitor and can do it everywhere, right? He score goals, he can hit. He can fight. He was that true, you know, power forward. So um, I've got most respect for him playing against him because you know you're in a battle each and every night. After that night where you fight, do you see him in the hallway after? Yeah, I told you guys this before. I think hockey's different, man, unless you uh, unless you got the relationship with, uh, you know, Drew Doughty and uh, Matthew Kachuk. I, I think for the most part um, – you know, guys, just kind of it is what it is, man. You're going there, you're doing your job, you're playing hard, you're competing. Um, if you have the opportunity to run by him, you're even buying the guy a drink. You know, after <laughs> here, come sit down, let's have a beer. You know, so that's a good thing about hockey. Guys are, you know, respectful for each other, understand, knowing that you know this is their job, and sometimes things get heated, and the gloves are off. But at the end of the day, guys respect each other. Uh, we got to get running here, but aren't you glad that I uh, you didn't take my advice on that uh, under last night? <laughs> yeah, there's some teams in the league that the unders just don't go with, and I'm here in in uh, in Florida too. The, the, the unders don't really kind of go with the Panthers as well. They like to score goals. Yeah. Um, but hey, I fell just asleep. Right. I fell asleep last night. Um, you know, at three one, unfortunately, I watched the I watched the the highlights this morning, um, but I woke up pretty sad. <laughs> well, so did the Canucks, Eddie. They fell asleep at three one as well. Yeah. Thanks, See buddy. buddy. Hey, Happy anniversary. All right, guys. Thanks. See you, Joe. Next week. You too. All right, Ed uh, right, uh Memories down of uh, Salt Lake uh, two thousand two. Nineteen years on ago. This well. day. Yeah, it's hard to believe time flies like that. And uh, the Canucks, uh, you know, yeah, guys kind of walking around on eggshells right now waiting for something to fall. And you do wonder if with, Mon- with what happened in Montreal, does that facilitate maybe uh, motivation for a change here? I-, I can't imagine it, but the Montreal Canadiens certainly seem to be a team that was more primed to win this year than the Canucks. But we'll wait and see. Sonia Aslam from down the hall here at News 1130 joins us. Uh, bright and early this morning. Uh, Aslam, I mean, where to begin? All the positivity here uh, this morning. Um, what, as, where, as always. As that, always, yeah. yeah. Is that new? Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> I, I tell me about this TransLink story because uh, you know, there was a lot of cloak and dagger about is it a hack with TransLink, and now we're starting to get some transparency. And sounds like a lot of people kind of got screwed here. Yeah, a lot of people got screwed. So a bunch of uh, workers we now know at TransLink and uh, Coast Mountain Bus and Transit Police, which, okay, smart, um, found out yesterday via letter that a bunch of their personal information was hacked during that Ugh. major cyber attack, which we know it was a cyber attack. It was, there was a ransom, there was all of that. It was very much like a movie. Um, had their personal information hacked in December, and they just found out now. So what TransLink said was like... Oh, man, sorry about that. I know we'll give you two years of credit mon- monitoring to make up for it. And when I mean like personal information, I mean oh. like date of birth, your home address, your sin, oh. like not like favorite food, favorite color, like f- your where you live. <laughs> and so Terrence, like for two years, they're just going to say, hey, we'll keep an eye on things. You yeah. you do as well, but we'll be the big brother and we'll keep an eye on things as well. That's all they get. Yep. Two years. Two years of credit monitoring. But for a lot of workers, like we talked to a couple yesterday who said, well, what's the point of that now? All my information's out there. Like my home address belongs to someone who shouldn't have it. So what am I supposed to do with two years of this? And it's like, yeah, I don't know. But that's that's what TransLink is putting up. Mm. So. Uh, silver lining as far as vaccinations. We're going to see a, a major rollout. Yeah, so we're, it's not being handled. It's, well, I guess there's a lot of criticism for how it's being handled. We were supposed to get details for mass vaccination clinics in BC last week. It didn't happen. Then we thought this week. Now it's been pushed back to next week. So the next round of people who are supposed to get the uh, COVID-19 vaccine are those um, 80 and uh, 80 plus. And uh, they're supposed to find out pretty soon sort of where do you go? When do you go? Yada, yada. Um, so we'll get those details on Monday. And we are now seeing uh, a pretty, pretty strong uptick in the number of vaccines that Canada is getting. So we're back in shape in terms of being back on track. Um, as for COVID-19 in this province, uh, more than 100 cases of the variant, which we know uh, we had more than 500 cases yesterday. And the upside is none of those cases were in long-term care, which is the first time we've seen that. The downside is we still have more than 500, almost 600 cases, which means it's spreading amongst people, you know, like you and me. Uh, we had one death, also not in long-term care, but then there's no details in terms of who that person was and what age they were. So they they hold back a lot of information because they cite privacy. I'm using air quotes, but there's um, but you know there it's it's a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. I don't want to be salty, Sonia, again. So, yeah. um, we're we we are getting there. We're just not there yet. Uh, Aslam, real quick, anything further with Tiger Woods this morning? Uh, we're still waiting for test results to find out sort of what may have uh, caused the crash. I don't know if you guys saw the entire debris field. Um, he's mm-hmm. out of surgery. He is awake. He is responding to doctors. He's still very much going to be in the hospital for a long, long time. If he plays golf in the next, you know, year, I would be shocked. Be His right leg has no. been shattered. You know, like, it's not like, oops, I broke it. One bone. No, no, it's been shattered. Like his injuries yeah. are quite extensive. Um, and they're trying to find out, you know, was it mechanical? Was it medical? Or was it, uh, you know, an outside substance? So those are the results that we're waiting for. No sign of hitting the brakes. You got to wonder. No, and he like he is lucky. The way he drove into oncoming traffic for a while, we're very lucky, and he's very lucky that there was not another car coming the other way. 
And as the police said, he's also lucky to be alive because when they used the jaws of life, they could barely get him out. There was initial uh, suggestions by the uh, you know, authorities saying that there were no signs of impairment, but I think there'll they'll be an investigation here and we'll probably get, to, it sounds like it could be up to weeks before we get the results, but I think a lot of people curious as to what the hell happened to see something that shocking and, uh, you know, for a single vehicle at that time of the day with that sort of speed. Yeah. A lot of questions need to be answered. Uh, thanks Absolutely. for this. Thanks, boys. All right. See there Sonia. she is. Sonia Asim uh, from News 1130 with the latest this morning. Uh, it is 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. Lots going on already. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll get to those Canucks in the song at some point, uh, but coming up in a moment, Mr. Fix and Stanley Cup champion Ken Priestley weighs in from Dunbar Lumber next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. It's time for Mr. Fix It, brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley. 7.33, a mix of sun and cloud on the forecast, high at 9 degrees. Sabalski and Solkowski uh, will get to uh, our Stanley Cup champion on the team, uh, Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber momentarily. A uh, pair of the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650, is hopping this morning, brother. Yeah, we always welcome the conversation, event, if you will. Just want to kind of paraphrase what Mike and Maple Ridge text and He said, guys, the team sucks. We have a few good players surrounded by a bunch of, well, a supporting cast that I won't go into. And, Mike, it's a long text, but here's something I want to hit on, too. This team has little to no grit. It's basically a no-hitting silver ballet with subpar goaltending. I'll tell you this. You know, in the games that the Oilers won against Winnipeg and with Calgary, Adam Lowry ran around a bit, Kachuk ran around a bit. At least they pushed. You know, last night, the Canucks statistically out-hit by 10, 29-19. If you're going to try and outskill the Edmonton Oilers, I don't like your chances. They don't have the right mix of players. You know, Russell running around, nice play shorthanded, then a crazy play if you take a dumb penalty to give the puck away at the blue line. You're lucky it doesn't go in the back of your net. Hit somebody. You know, we've said that for years about Jake. I'm tired of making that because it's not going to happen. But you're right. You know, if you're not going to outskill them, Mike, you're right. It's too easy to play against. This team is really easy to play against. Tyler Myers can talk about adjustments. Man, you haven't made the adjustments. You've been playing for two months now. I can't see it happening with this team right now. Mr. Priestley, man. Good morning. Three, three blown leads of two or more goals in a span of nine days. That, that That is the makings of a broken hockey club, is it not? Fix it. It's, there, <laughs> fix it. That's it. If we could fix it, we would, uh, we would have a couple more wins. But it's um, – it's difficult. It's a difficult time. And, and, and Jovo said it before, just before here, that it's when you're fragile and when you're not 100% confident and when you're not feeling it as a group, there's always this roller coaster high and low. And it started out great. I mean, 3 nothing, And uh, you're thinking, okay, hey, we're, they were skating hard. Edmonton was still moving. They weren't as crisp and as clean with the puck as they were in the third period, but they were, you know, we got a three nothing lead. Here we go. Now let's hold on to this. And uh, it was a few mistakes and a few mistakes against that team, obviously get them back in the game. And when you give a team like that, the idea that they're not out of it, um, that's what happens. They, they, they come back with a win, but I mean, we watched all watch that game yesterday and, and Perry, we talked about this last week, I think, about how do you watch hockey games. And 
I watch hockey games a little bit differently. I cheer for the Canucks for sure, but I watch the, you know, the other parts of the game as well. And Edmonton won yesterday. Yes, they're a great hockey team, and yes, they have some fantastic players. But Connor McDavid's attitude, his compete level, his just put me on your shoulders, guys, and let's go attitude last night was incredible. It was over the top. I mean, I, I, well, was, texting, I was texting James a couple times saying, this is, you can't stop this. But you Ken, can't. On, the flip, on the flip side, you know, I can understand that, all right, you just saw a three-goal lead disappear. But there's six minutes left in a hockey game, a hockey game you need, and you're down by one. So to me, I'm going, okay, where is that Connor McDavid, we're not going to lose? Where is that desperation attitude? And, and to me, I was as concerned that, listen, there's no real big push. Bo Horvat with a couple of good shifts. You know, JT Miller showing his disappointment, frustration, which I think at some point needs to be addressed. Um, isn't that the bigger concern, that these guys aren't going to – leave everything on the ice. It just seems like they check out too early. Uh, yeah. It, it's, you know what? It's hard for me to tell in, in being a player, it's hard for me to say that they check out because I don't believe they do. I just believe that they are because as a player and as an ex player, when you're in a hockey game, there's days where you're good and there's days where you're bad. But the compete level and the and the the willing the want to win is always there. It just doesn't. Sometimes it just doesn't happen, and and that's hard for people to understand. Like when you're watching the game and 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 you're saying, "Come on, you know, how can we make that pass constantly? How do we do these 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 how do we make these mistakes and they constantly end up in the back of the net?" That's the sport. It, it it's it's the sport. It's not a perfect game. And uh, when you're going, when you're having troubles and you're not winning and, and things are not going your way, you really have to have, as a collective group, a, a thought process as we cannot make high percentage or low percentage passes. We have to be so disciplined that it's just got to be off the glass and out or it's got to be from the defenseman to the winger. Like, no, no, no forwards these days want an off the glass and out breakout. None of them do. None of them want to chase the puck. They all want to circle back, get speed, drop a puck, and then we go at them with speed. Sometimes that can work, but sometimes you have to go back to the old school way of, of just making a nice clean breakout pass. You got support from a winger. You got support from a centerman, and you go down three on two. You, 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 know, you got a net drive guy. You got a guy in the slot. I mean, these are, it's simple game sometimes, but when it's going wrong, with the Canucks at the moment. And I honestly, I didn't think that they played bad last night. They get a three, nothing lead. I don't think they're playing bad. I just really do believe that the, I mean, Bo Horvat had the interview in the first or second period. there, saying that he was out there most of the time against McDavid, but how do you check a guy who's out there for four minutes and his engine doesn't stop? He goes for four minutes. There's doesn't that speak, that, hey, hey Ken? Doesn't that speak to just how much a player like McDavid wants it? And, and look, generationally, I mean, we know more about fitness and training way more now in, in today's athlete. But I mean, 
you played with Mario. You 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 saw Gretzky. Like those guys weren't gym rats, and were, I mean those guys were their will to win was great. But I mean McDavid just takes it to a whole other level with the training. Like look at him coming back from that knee injury a year ago. Yeah, the the all, all the all the shows you see of the guy. I mean I got. I, I'm lucky. I get a I get a, a sales. Connor McDavid's uh, uncle comes in here. He's a sales rep for a company that we deal with, and we talk a little bit about him, um, just because it's fun to talk about, right? I, I love the athletes. I love the. I want to know the personal things about him um, that not everybody else gets a chance to do. Oh, you and just exposed his uncle for ratting him out now. <laughs> you know what? His uncle's very proud. His uncle is. Uh, is a is a is a very cool guy, and he's very humble, and he uh, he enjoys what Connor brings to the game, uh, and he will tell you when he's not good, no question. But uh, <laughs> as a fan, as a fan, and as a work colleague, like I want to know why this guy is the way he is, because you look at him, and and everything that he does is just at a different level, and uh, like he says, he just he trains and he trains and he practices and he trains and he you know. He sleeps the game. He eats the game. That's all he wants to do. And you say gym rats and, and rink rats and all that kind of stuff, and, and that's Connor McDavid. He's been like that since a little kid. And um, he just, you know, probably in his mind right now, he's got every accolade possible that the NHL can give him uh, except one. And uh, if he wants to get to the next level of, of comparing himself to everybody else, he has to win a, you know, one certain trophy. He has to win the cup, and uh, they've given him players. Um, they haven't necessarily always been the the players maybe that fit in for the Edmonton role to win a cup, but they're getting better, and um, they are believing that their leader is their guy. There's no question. Um, playing with Mario, right? He he was just a, a talent and a half, skill wise, person wise, everything. He didn't have that work ethic in the gym or off the ice that I think Connor has. He just had this talent that, that no one could, you know, he just had it. He was six foot six. He was big. He was strong. He could score. And he was the same kind of attitude. He, he said, guys, jump on my back. We're going to win this one. And that's exactly how he was. Ken, we, we want you to fix it. A lot of times, I don't know if it's the fix. It's the easy out. Uh, we saw it in Montreal this morning. Do you think we see a coaching change here before the season's done in Vancouver? Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's, that's sport, right? That doesn't matter what sport you're in. There's got to be some way to fix something. And unfortunately, the sport that we're in, that may be one of the things that kickstarts a group. And if Montreal, and we all like how Montreal plays, if Montreal is getting rid of a coach because they think that they have the team to, to, to compete for a cup and they're getting rid of a coach and losing salaries and all that kind of stuff at this particular time, I can't see that it can't happen, right? It's, they got to do something. So they, they've tried here to get practices and they've tried to be better teams all that way, but uh, you never know. It's, it's a strange game, but uh, something has to happen here for the, uh, the wins to come. Thanks, Ken. Nice to catch up, buddy. Get back to work. No problem. Take care, guys. <laughs> Take care. There he is. Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Buter Street in Vancouver or check him out online at DunbarLumber.com. Lots going on this morning. Uh, we'll talk to Corey Hirsch, our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, just after 8 o'clock on your Canucks commute. Uh, Claude Julian also out in Montreal this morning as well. More on that in a moment here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 
maybe we get a little, I don't like to use the word fancy, but we don't make the right decision at certain times of the game when you have a lead and you give you can give a team life just by turning a puck over. I think they want to do the right thing, but you know, there's a couple, I'm not going to name names specifically, but there's a couple key plays that all of a sudden it changes the whole momentum of the game. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Travis Green sounded as deflated and as honest uh, and maybe as broken as this team certainly seems after last night as the Canucks now just two wins in their last 12 games. Man, I'm, I'm Name names though, man. Name names. Throw some guys into the bunch. Like the first shift of the third period, Quinn Hughes pinches. And he and he's below the faceoff circle. Brock Besser does the right thing and covers him, but that shift doesn't end until the Oilers make it three-two. And I thought you're up by two goals. It's the first shift. Do you really have to push right there? Oh man, decisions by some of these guys just make no sense sometimes. Uh, so but they're so young. What, risk so reward, what, right? So what? What good does that do when you've got so throwing a young player that you are planning on keeping here for? How many years that you're going to have to resign? Is that the answer right now to, to to say, hey Quinn Hughes, he's a big problem, right? Like hold that thought. We'll get to it in our Canucks commute, but right now we, we head to Montreal. He's... Hold on, Pierre, because uh, we we're heading to Montreal here now live. And joining us on the line is uh, Eric Engels from Sportsnet in Montreal. As the big news this morning, obviously uh, Claude Julian and Kirk Muller out. Uh, Dominic Ducharme behind the bench. Uh, Eric, man, it didn't seem like it was that bad in Montreal, but obviously it was. Your reaction to all of this this morning? Yeah, nothing happens overnight. Um, you know, I, I think this was a decision that was ruminating for, for a few days here. And when you have disturbing trends continue over a six to eight game kind of streak here, and with all the pressure and expectations that the Canadians came into the season with, uh, you know, expectations that they only heightened with a 7-1-2 and two start to the season – um, you kind of had a sense the other shoe was going to drop. I certainly did. I, I wrote about it last night in my column on sportsnet.ca. The writing was on the wall for Claude Julien, um, and I wasn't sure that there was enough signs in the game against Ottawa to, to have him at least have one more chance and see if the team pulls itself out. I think there were some signs that they might be on their way to doing that. It might take them a couple games to get on a winning streak, but it wasn't enough because the, the, the penalties – you know, they've taken a rash of just stupid penalties since the beginning of the season. And it hasn't changed. The penalty kill, which is 22nd in the league, um, is just absolutely baffling. They've got seven shorthanded goals. They've got forwards that can, seven of them, that they can rotate through that penalty kill. They've got defensemen in Shea Weber, Ben Sherrod, Joel Edmondson, and Jeff Petrie, and even Alex Romanov, who are tailor-made to be good penalty killers and two great goaltenders. So, that that part is perplexing. You know, Kirk Muller's out in this decision as well. He ran the power play for the last three years and, to be frank, ran it into the ground. It, it just hasn't found a way to be better, and there hasn't been enough adjustments to the way they operate. So there are some things for Dominic Ducharme to fix here. Uh, and, and unfortunately for Claude Julien, the clock was ticking. Uh, you said uh, this was a decision that likely wasn't based on what we saw last night. Shea Weber spoke of kind of a negative energy around the room, and they have to change that. Uh, did did Claude Julian just kind of let it play out? Such a great start to the year. I mean, the only memories the Canucks fans have are you guys being world beaters. Uh, did he not make any of those adjustments? Did he just go, well, it, it worked out to start, it worked out again, and is that his demise, not making adjustments? 
I don't think it's that he didn't make any adjustments. He did push some buttons. He did make some changes. Did he make enough of them is ultimately going to be the question here. But, you know, I, I just think it's one of the things in Mark Bergevin's quote in the press release is about a new energy on the bench. Uh, you know, I think that's a big factor in this. When you hear the players talk about a heaviness in the room and frustration and all that, and you know what the veteran leadership is of this group. They've got five Stanley Cup winners in the room. They've got Shea Weber and Carey Price. You know, they should be able to be in control of the energy and flipping it around. And so if, if something is out of their control and emanating from above them, um, you know, that's a factor. It's a red flag. And look, you know, Claude Julien is a great coach. When, when he came to Montreal uh, in this second stint, one of the first things he says is, said was, I don't panic, I fix things. Um, he didn't panic in this situation, but the urgency of the situation with the expectations of the Canadians and there still being enough road ahead in the season and them still still sitting in a playoff spot and, and off a very good start to the season. And, and let's face it, like, I believe, and I will say this without any um, hesitation, that Sorry, it's ironic that I said I will say this without any hesitation, and I kind of slowed down while I was talking. <laughs> but with, uh, without any hesitation, this team is much closer to the team that we saw at the beginning of the season than what we've seen over the last six to eight games. And uh, I think Mark Bergman truly believes that. I believe it. Uh, I know what this team has in it. And there's enough time here on the schedule for them to turn this around and continue to be among the, the top four teams in the, this division and probably closer to the, the top two. Um, but, you know, the urgency of the situation meant making a change right now. And, um, you know, Mark Bergevin, you point the finger at him one way or the other, right? If he sits on it, then you're saying he's not doing enough to change this. Uh, and if he makes the change, you're saying, well, now all the pressure's on him. I, I don't think he cares one way or the other. He wants this team to win. He wants this team to fulfill its promise. And um, I think they do have a lot more promise than what we've seen over the last six to eight games. And the trends just hadn't changed a lot. And the strategy hadn't changed really at all. So, you know, I think that's why Claude Julien is on the outside looking in now. Uh, Eric Engels here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Last one here for you. Uh, Dominic Ducharme takes over. Uh, He joins uh, Alex Burroughs behind the bench uh, on an interim basis. Uh, You look at Ducharme's track record from a junior standpoint, World Junior Gold, Memorial Cup. Um, but they're going at interim. Is, is this a possibility of maybe exploring the idea of trying to find a veteran coach maybe as opposed to a, a rookie head coach to try to stop the bleeding here? No, I think they're going to give Dominic Ducharme a chance to coach this team. As far as looking from the outside in, I, th- I think they evaluated that that was an impossible thing to do uh, in a pandemic-stricken season in a lockdown Montreal where someone would have to quarantine for two weeks before taking over the bench. And you know, if if I said that this was probably ruminating for a few days, it didn't just happen overnight. Um, you know, how could they have brought somebody in without it leaking out and causing a massive controversy? So it, it's it's a complicated situation. Dominic Ducharme is a rookie head coach in the NHL, but he has spent two years on this bench. He knows this group in, in extremely well. Um, and he has some offensive strategies to put in place that I think is where he's going to make the bulk of his adjustments and the special teams have to find a different way. And maybe Alex Burroughs, who you guys know pretty well, plays a factor on both ends of the ice for that. Eric, thanks, man. Uh, thanks for the quick adjustment. I know it's a, it's a crazy busy day. Caught a lot of people on the West coast by surprise, but as you said, maybe not so much in the city of Montreal. Appreciate it. 
Oh, without hesitation, I thank you guys. Thanks, Eric. Uh, Eric Engels, uh, there you go. Look at that. As he slows it down, breathe. Uh, so there's the big news uh, out of uh, the National Hockey League this morning. Claude Julien out. And, and look, I mean, you look at problems. We've talked about special teams here in Vancouver for the last little while this season. And, you know, during the Claude Julien era, the Habs, they had the 26th ranked power play in the National Hockey League. And their penalty kill ranked 29th between 2017 and now. Mm-hmm. Nothing was getting well, fixed, and it's finally over. And, James, a lot of people go, well, if they can do it in Montreal, why can't we do it here in Vancouver? Maybe it's possible, but, boy, give me that Habs lineup every day, every day over the Canucks right now. Maybe not in three or four years, but right now that Canadians lineup and the adjustments Bergevin made, granted it would take some time, but they're built to compete and win now, and I don't think that's the case with the Canucks. That was my pick to win the North Division. Uh, I don't think that's happening, but I still think that they're a playoff team. Uh, Your Canucks commute. We'll get into the Canucks next with Corey Hirsch on Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. The only thing I've heard Canucks uh, related uh, recently was that I think the, they talked to uh, Anaheim uh, about Vertanen, but I think that next year contract, the second year of the deal, uh, I think is, is a challenge. The Canuck commute on the starting lineup. All right, almost uh, five minutes after 8 o'clock. So, Kepke, it's your Canucks commute. uh, In this hour, a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Uh, Not a lot of quality for the Vancouver Canucks over the last uh, few weeks uh, or pretty much this entire season. Uh, This is a team that is projected more for uh, winning uh, the NHL draft lottery at this point now with just two wins in their last 12 games as the Oilers uh, come back from a 3-0 deficit to win uh, 4-3 last night. And, and just pair, I mean, three blown leads of two goals or more over the last nine days. Uh, the bottom has clearly fallen out, fallen out on this hockey club that just simply isn't good enough, right? And and now you're just wait, like, you're waiting for something to happen. Francesco Aquilini already kind of gave the pat on the back, but I mean, how much longer does the bleeding continue here? Where you know you had Calgary in that four game series, you had the Flames, and you still allowed Calgary to get away with four points when they were absolutely hemorrhaging, and then you get the Jets here for two games, meaningful games, and you let the Jets skate off with four points and now the Oilers roll in and down three nothing and a bad goal to start the game for Mike Smith and you still allowed the Oilers to get up off the canvas and get that late goal and bury the Canucks at the end it's death by a thousand cuts I mean the pain that this team puts their fan base through is amazing because you're you're right and here's the one thing and I've kind of been on okay now we better be on a Travis Green watch because you don't know but You cannot say that the coach has not got this team ready to play. I mean, they have been good against good hockey teams for the last three weeks in the first period. But unfortunately, what happens? It's not a 60-minute effort. They just need to play good for the final 20 yesterday. And it's almost like you could lay down a bet and go, who's going to make the mistake tonight? Right? There's no confidence on this bench. You needed that extra goal against Winnipeg when it's 2-0. When the next goal wins, the Jets get it and happened. And even when they're up 3 nothing, and go, oh, my goodness, it's McDavid. We've talked about, James, the importance. And when you give up a goal late, and what do they do? And, yeah, puck should have been stopped. Demko gets a piece of it. It's trickling. They can't get there in time. And you go, oh, no, there goes McDavid and Drysaddle. To the, to the dressing room they go. They've got a little bit of energy. 
and then more mistakes happen. It's it's death by a thousand cuts to a hockey team that, yeah, they're not good enough. And even if they won yesterday, you'd go, don't look at the standings. But, man, it's it's just amazing. I've never seen a team be this defeatist and mentally weak going, eh, something's going to happen at some point unless the horn goes. And when it does, we're going to lose. I don't care how big the lead is, we're going to lose. And that's what we've seen playing out for the last three weeks. I, I hear you, and you're not the only one who's suggesting calling for Travis Green's head, but I will say this. Travis Green, this is his fourth season. How many times and of the four seasons, how many times can you say he's legitimately had a good team to work with? Once, and that was last yep. year. And they came with a win away from reaching the conference final last year. Now, whether you believed it was sustainable or not, but there's the one team that you can look at and say that was a good team, and Travis Green got the most he could out of that team last year, right? This team's taking well, steps back from a personnel standpoint. Hear me out. You took away your all-star goaltender, and now you got to figure out what you've got with Thatcher Demko, and is he the guy going forward? I mean, this is a show-me year, or this is at least an evaluation year for Demko. Braden Holpe hasn't found his form and the optimism that you were looking at from a goaltending standpoint. You know, the the loss of Chris Tanev has proven to be more critical than expected. I'll tell you what, the loss of Tyler Toffoli. And for people to say, oh, you know, Tyler Toffoli's only put up points this season against the you know against the Vancouver Canucks. Look at Tyler Toffoli last night, man. You know, check out Pavel Bur- uh, Barber, who's uh, who, who works at skill, uh, just an absolute wizard with skills drills and all of that. But look what mm-hmm. he suggested about some of the things that Pat- Tyler Toffoli did last night. Also had a great chance, got stopped by Matt Murray on a breakaway as well last night. But Tyler Toffoli still creates. And think about how much better this team is if he's in your top nine or top six for that matter. Right, this team has taken a step back. Travis Green has had pretty much a dog's breakfast for for a roster for three of the four seasons that he's been a head coach here. You cannot blame that this is on the coach. Yeah, but how do you fix it, James? You can't get rid of those players. I don't think Jim Benning is back. I agree. This is you know you you talk about what this team did in the bubble, but it was the bubble. Chris Higgins said, you know, we'll find out if that was a fraud in the bubble or if that was real. Then they lose some pieces, they get some back. And I think last year was the first year that Travis Green was actually under pressure because the team was better. And let's remember, this team got into the playoffs because the season was shortened. They may not have found a playoff spot if everything would have continued normal because they were starting to flutter. Thatcher Demko had to take over the number one goalie role because Markstrom was hurt. So I do think we based a lot on, on a unique August circumstance to say they should be better. Is Travis Green the reason he can only play what he has in front of him? But at some point, you have to adjust. I mean, yesterday, a lot of people on him for calling a timeout, not doing that. He's going, well, you know what? With no crowd, I didn't really need to because the guys can hear me. Well, I don't think you call a timeout just so the guys can hear you. I think you call a timeout to stop the rhythm of a hockey game. And the rhythm of that game was all flowing towards Edmonton. But he said, I didn't really think I needed it. It's strange this year you don't. At some point, you go, what changes do you make? You've got a power play that's ineffective. Nothing. But you still nothing. put up the five guys, right? Nothing. You've got to you do a little what? bit the, else. You're not, you're not fixing it this year. It's just, you're, you're not fixing it this year. And I, I think if you have an opportunity, you put a for sale sign for now uh, up on any asset that you're trying to clear. You know, look, it's a buyer's market. We heard from Elliot Friedman, you know, the talk of, you know, Tanner Pearson maybe uh, would the Coyotes potentially be interested? Sure. You know, Vertanen and the Ducks, possible fit there. But again, like there's another year of salary at two and a half million. Like nobody wants to touch that right now with a 10-foot pole. Anybody with term and dollars, I think, play, you know, teams are leery of it. You're not, you're not going, look, cap space is currency, and it's a big currency for the Vancouver Canucks. And I think you just let this season ride out. 
You ultimately try to evaluate what you've got in some of these young players. Uh, Sutter's off the books. If you can get something with an expiring contract, okay, by all means, but I wouldn't hold my breath to think that some team's willing to take that with, even with an expiring contract or Tanner Pearson for that matter right now. You know what? There's still cap space. You're talking about $8 million between those two guys that you're going to get off the books. Alex Edler's off the books at the end of the year, and he's not coming back at $6 million even if he wants to retire as a Canuck. So I think you've got to let this ride out. This team is clearly flawed. If you want to say thank you, Jim, then you keep pushing that, and Jim probably will be gone at the end of this season as well. But I don't think that this you can't. Right you now, can't give Green a free this. pass. You you can't give Travis Green a free pass, right? You can't. You did for the first couple of years, and rightfully so. You're rebuilding, but everything has to be looked at. And and I think there would be a coach, and I think there'd be a GM. They would love to get a shot at this hockey team simply because eventually money will free up. Right now, does they change it? Hey, it may not be completely on the coach, but you can't fire the players, right? How often have we heard that through the years? No, but but at, at the same time, like you've got to look at the roster construct here, right? And yep. you're stuck with what you've got, and you're going to just hope that you're going to let these bodies eventually expire on their contracts, right? And that's where you, I think you got to ride out the rest of this season. Look, you're halfway there. You're 15 months away from getting Erickson, from Beagle, from Roussel. I mean, I mean, you flip a coin as to try to guess what the bottom six is going to look like for years from now. But the reality is I didn't have this team going into the playoffs at the start of this season. And I think this is probably a sign from a longer-term standpoint that this window is probably going to close for the next little bit, and this team is probably going to experience some of the same growing pains that the Lightning, that the Avalanche, that the Oilers have all experienced with some growing pains here. Corey Hirsch, our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, is with us here this morning as well. Man, like, these got to be brutal for you to kind of have to call up in the box just to watch watch this fall apart game after game after game, Hershey. Good morning, by the way. Oh, good morning. Yes. Yes. It's um, not a lot of fun right now. <laughs> you know, it's fun when they go up three, nothing. And then all of a sudden, uh, you, you know what, at the end of the second, I could just see, I could see it happening. I, I could see exactly which way that game was going. And the Canucks weren't getting anything, any momentum going. They weren't getting any scoring chances going uh, halfway through the game to the, to the third period. I think the third period, they only had three scoring chances. In the second, they maybe had four or five, and most of them happened in the first half of the period. And I could just see Connor McDavid turning it up. Uh, it was almost like it was predictable. It was so predictable what was going to happen. And that's um, that's a good team over there. The Edmonton Oilers, give them some credit too. That's a, that's a, they've done a nice job of, of playing much faster than they used to. But Hershey, if you could see it up in the booth, we can see it on TV. People listening to it can get the sense. Is there? Is, is it simply this team isn't talented enough to fight through that and to play twenty minutes of hockey and protect a two goal lead, let alone fifty minutes with a three goal lead? Yeah, a little bit of everything. I think um, you know, winning and 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 the, there's a fine line between winning and losing, and and a lot of times it's a mindset, right? Like you look at the playoffs last year, that's a confident team that felt like they could always come back. They could always be in games because they were getting good goaltending. Um, and I'm seeing right now, they don't have that confidence. Like they don't, they don't feel like they can, they can do that. Right. Like they don't feel like they can. Um, it doesn't matter what the score is. If they're down four to one or whatever, that they're going to be able to come back in the game. You saw the Oilers 
that's the difference between a confident team and an unconfident team, right? You, the Oilers didn't, they were down three, nothing. And you didn't ever feel like they were out of the hockey game. Um, you know, whereas when you were the Canucks right now, uh, if things get ugly, you know, it's just, it's getting worse. Like it's not getting better. So um, it's it, a lot of it's confidence, but you know, their third and fourth lines, just those guys, they signed the two, three year deals, two, three years ago, um, or three, four, three year, four year deals to, you know, a couple of years ago are now two, three years older, right? Jay Beagle's now 35 uh, and not nearly as viable as he was in the first couple of years of that contract. Corey Hirsch here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, you know, Travis Green didn't want to name names, but guys who took their foot off the gas, is it, is it simply the bottom six guys uh, to blame here? Or, or I, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that you look at the top six and this is where a lot of the problems are, or your core guys, right? Like, obviously, this has been an adjustment year for Quinn Hughes. You know, Pedersen's been better, but, you know, can he carry a franchise, right? I think that's a valid question to ask. And, you know, is there a bit of a market correction on JT Miller? Um yeah, I mean, it's look, here was a guy who was a third line guy with the lightning and got thrust into a top line role and we fell in love with him. And um, but, you know, I think there's you know a bit of a market correction here for JT Miller as well. Right. I mean, is he a franchise guy or is he just a good hockey player? But I think that this requires some questions long term about the core of this team. Right. Yeah. Well, so when you look at. um when you look at the top line of the Canucks, right? But I don't, I don't think the issue is, is you know, and I, I'm not even so sure it is that the issue is the Pedersen, Besser, Miller line, right? They're, they're, if their line scores and that line scores, they're good. But um, what ends up happening is, is that every team's matching up their best players against that line, um, and you, you, we've seen it night after night. And and um, Travis Green doesn't have anybody else that you know, the other team's scared of. He doesn't have another line that the other team's scared of. So they just get to match their best line or their best checking line against the JT Miller line. And then there's really nothing else to worry about for another team. So so that line um, is getting tough matchups every night. And it doesn't even go to, uh, you know, that one line. It goes to the fact that they, they who else is going to score, right? Like, who, who if, you're, if you're the Edmonton Oilers coach, who else are you afraid of? for Canuck forwards on that in mm-hmm. that lineup nobody no nobody maybe Bo Horvat but not really right but Bo's inconsistent yeah. as a scorer right like you know he finishes well, he's but a two-way player yeah he's a two-way player and he's a second line center that gets you somewhere between 50 and 60 points and which also begs the question like is that is that enough for a second line center you know to, are you getting do you get enough scoring out of and I would say the answer based on this season is no yeah. Well, and, and that's part of it is, I mean, look at, look at Bo Horvat's wingers. Like, but he, he's playing with a 20 year old yeah. kid and, and Tanner Pearson, who's a third line player yeah. uh, mm-hmm. on a good team. Right. And that's no, that's nothing against Tanner Pearson. Um, I always say this, I'd love to be Patrick Waugh, but I, I, I was Patrick Waugh's backup, right? Like that was what I projected as. So um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like Tanner Pearson's a very good hockey player, but it's, you know, and he's a couple of years older now. Right. So um, I, I don't look at, I look at Horvat and I look at, you got to give him some players to play with. Right. So what I can see on the Canucks is I can see them trying to, 
probably drop either Miller or Besser down with Horvat to try to get a little bit more scoring on uh, so they can have two lines. Um, but right now, you know, you load up your top line and, and hope that they win your hockey games. And if that line's not going or they get shut down, you're not winning a hockey game. And that's uh, that goes to the depth up front. They, they just don't, you know, uh, Roussel, that was one of his best games I've seen in a long time. Yep. And he still really accomplished nothing. You know, no. um, and that's that's not you know he's a he's a he's, serviceable guy, but took a costly um, penalty, I guess, when Puljujarvi opted yeah. not to drop the gloves and give away that could have hurt them, yeah, and, and then stop, yeah, yeah. stopped on and, stopped on the breakaway, right? You'd, you'd you know, love to see something go right. And, and how, how many times do we have to see Alex Edler get um, somebody gets around him and he trips the guy? Yeah, like it's catching up on. to him. He's thirty-five, right? right? He, There's another he, guy who's thirty-five. Yeah, just just let the two on one happen, or let your let your partner take the one on one. Right? Stop tripping guys when they go around you. Like, just don't do it. But Hershey, this Hershey, has been like, a, a speed. But this also speaks in a greater like you know team speed, right? And it's not just Eddie. It's like this yeah. team just isn't fast enough out there. Yeah, it's their their bottom six is is now those guys are two three years older. What they did was they signed those guys to make them competitive the last few years. Right, they signed all yeah. those guys just to, so when their young guys were developing, they signed those guys to try to keep the team competitive, which is okay because you don't win anything by losing every game. And it worked last year; it helped. They got some experience, but now those guys are another year older and getting another year slower. And it looks just really like there's a lot of uh, contract issues that they would love to just move off of that they can't. Um, you know, Jay Beagle's got another year, uh, and and Roussel's got another Roussel. year, right? So those contracts are, are, are weighing them down. Corey Hirsch uh, presented by Manifest, practical counseling that helps guys get a grip on life's challenges, improve your level of function, see Manifest uh, to get started. Um, so it seems like the shine is coming off this morning simply because of what happened in Montreal to Travis Green. Fair or unfair? I mean, we all agree and the fan base agrees. You're handcuffed with contracts you have and guys you have to play. But there are situations where a coach can maybe do more. And, and Hershey, you've been on a lot of teams where probably you you said goodbye to a coach and it really wasn't his fault. It was the guys in the dressing room. Do you think we're getting to that point here? Uh, no, I think it would still be a mistake to fire Travis. Um, I, I think you look at what he's been given to, to work with. Like, well, what are you going to do with that, right? Like, um, and I, I – I think now it's they've they probably made some mistakes in the summer, and that's where this team is is hurting. Um, Travis Green is a good coach. If they let him go, that's going to be a mistake, uh, and someone else is going to scoop him up in a heartbeat. So he's still the same coach that took that team, you know, two three rounds into the playoffs last year. It's still the same coach, no different. It's just his personnel is different, right? He doesn't if if you're sitting on the bench and you throw out you know the Miller Hort, you got three minutes to go in the game, you need a goal. And you've got you, you've got your your lotto six forty nine line, and then what are you going to throw out to score a goal? So that those guys can, they can't play the last four minutes. <laughs> like what are, what are you going to throw out there? You know when you're when you picture yourself, you're Travis Green, and you're looking at the backs of all these players, and you need a goal, and you're like, who am I going to throw out there? There's three minutes to go. Miller, Pedersen, and Besser just been out there for a minute and a half. They're gassed and who's going to score a goal, right? It's like, it's, it's not his fault. Like you, this is the personnel that he's been given. Yeah. 
making chicken soup out of chicken poop in some yeah. respects, right? With, with some of the raw stuff. How many minutes can you play Quinn Hughes <laughs> to get points from the yeah. back end? Uh, totally. And that, yeah. Yeah. Take the rest of the morning off. Yeah. So, um, you know, you look at Edmonton, they, they drastically improved their speed and their, and their lineup. They got, you, you really have to bring, if, if I'm the Canucks now, I start bringing in as many young guys as I can. I start sitting those old guys and I just play on speed and heart. Just like, so Pittsburgh was floundering a few years back and uh, they brought in like Rust, Gensel, Matt Murray, mm-hmm. um, moved out a lot of the older guys. Uh, and and then they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Canucks, but it, it's probably time just, you, you have to, you, you saw how fast Edmonton played last night. That, that's where you have to get to. So the only way you're going to get there is bring in young guys and just, um, you know, start playing with speed. And then, you know, stop flipping your goalies. Give, let Demko start playing the run. Like, it, you know, uh, it's uh, got to give him the experience. He doesn't get any experience by sitting on the bench. Thanks for this. It's come to that point. Thanks, Hershey. Okay, gentlemen. Thank you. Have a great day. There's Corey Hirsch, uh, Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, weighing in on uh, what ails the Canucks here uh, right now. And I- I'm with Hershey. You know, I kind of said it uh, earlier this hour. I-, I don't look. I mean, you could you can fire Travis Green, but is it the answer? No. You know, the adjustments. You look at Claude Julian. They pulled the plug on on Claude Julian this morning in Montreal. Pair. You want to look at special teams. You know, they were near the basement in both penalty kill and power play. You know, for the Canucks this year. I mean, you're talking about a top five unit from last season that is now middle of the pack, right? Their penalty kill, middle of the pack. You know, you can talk about adjustments, but how, how many adjustments can you really make with this team in terms of the roster, like in terms of trying to get more scoring, trying to free guys up, where you go, what you do? Um, look, it's a, it's a flawed roster in a lot of ways, right? And you brought in veteran guys to try to be harder to play against, um, the only way you were going to attract talent with one of the worst rosters in hockey was to overpay, and they did that with term. Now you just kind of wait for this term to kind of ease up. And, you know, I think this team's going to clearly take another step back here, uh, at least not just this season, but I think this might carry over into next year. Well, it, it's the time and place. You know, the Beagle and the Roussel, you have to give them that extra year at the time because that was going to be the only thing that was going to sway them to come to the West Coast and look at a roster at that point that wasn't good, right? You didn't know what you had in front of you. You didn't know what Pedersen would turn out to. You didn't know what Quinn Hughes would turn out to. And then you pay the price of it. And it's disappointing that Adam Gaudet hasn't been a a third-line guy that can step up. They missed Tyler Mott. You know, the disappointment, we could talk about it in half for about five years on Jake for 10 and not being a guy who can contribute. We just don't even bring him up anymore. Um, and so you can only ask so much from your top six guys. And to Hershey's point, Tanner Pearson, who's likely on his way up, is he a top six guy on a really good team? No. But you're not a really good team yet. Uh, it's interesting, though. There's a lot of people that side with Hershey and think Travis Green is fine. And there's a lot of other people who point to situations and go, you know what, you have to do something with the coach. I, I don't. I, I think the GM question will be answered. Um, but I'm not so sure about the coaching question. I think it really came into play in the last week here, James, that – Maybe there's a change that has to be made there, too. 
All right, 26 minutes after 8 o'clock. Uh, he's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Sabolski. We've been talking about trying to hit the music all morning long, but we just keep killing the clock, and we just don't have time for yes. your songs, your Canucks and the songs. Maybe, just maybe, we'll try to find some time to do that before we wrap things up. And also, we're going to give some love to our uh, our friends over on the island who were in contention for the Good Deeds Cup. That's all still ahead. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. This hour is presentation of our good friends at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 150. 52nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Jason and Kamloops going with nice a little job. head games from Porter. Yeah, not bad. Hey, I mean, that's what they've been playing, Death by a Thousand Cuts. Like, I have a, you and I always talk about a good bet. We both said, man, I wouldn't touch the Canucks for a bit. And then they get off to the great starts they do against Winnipeg. Last night, you're up by three. You get the cheesy goal at the start. You go, all right, you're good. And then you're right, man. The head games start to play on the bench with the fan base and gets you where you are today. Uh, 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, a lot of people jumping in with different sort of thoughts uh, about where their sort of music selection goes as the Canucks blow it again last night. Uh, just an ugly uh, night, squandering a 3 nothing lead. This is a third-blown lead where they've led by two or more goals uh, in the last nine days and all resulting in losses now. Just as you heard Chris Wall mention, just two wins in the last 12 games now. Uh, here we go. Shane, Massachusetts, Shane. Going with a little talking heads. This sums up the Canucks perfectly. Yeah, Rogers Arena is essentially burning down right now with these performances. And I'll tell you what, if you want to look at one of the main problems with this team, you can talk about the lack of production on the power play pair. You can talk about the lack of production from the bottom six or JT Miller doing this, that, and the other. I'll tell you what. You want to look at one of the biggest problems? Those damn Sprite jerseys, man. Yeah, you're not big on them. I don't mind them. I don't mind them. Uh, I don't mind the look of this team. I don't think you have to burn down the house, right? You just got some terrible, terrible decisions. Like, you know, sometimes the lights aren't on. You know, people leave their house and the light leave it with the lights on. They're not on. The number of cross-side passes that JT Miller, who's been on the ice for eight of the last ten goals, it doesn't help. So don't burn down the house. Uh, because I, I do think there is a foundation, but you're a long ways away from telling everybody to come in, take a look at what you've built. We hoped it might be closer, but it's not right now. Easy beasy with this submission here on this Wednesday morning on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. This one from Street Spirit, or sorry, Street Spirit from Radiohead. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, anything from Radiohead, you know things are going downhill if you're playing Radiohead yeah. just because everything's so apocalyptic, end-of-the-world sort of uh, sad, emo. Uh, all right, how about Halsey? A uh, little John Mellencamp and Crumbling Down. Apropos. 
you know what hurts pair is like you've had this 10 game window where these were all the teams that you had a chance to try to you know kick their ass and get back into it right you had the four games with calgary you had two with the jets these two with the oilers and then another two with winnipeg and you know what they've squandered this opportunity horribly only three games left you kind of know what you got now here for the canucks and it's evident that this team is chasing more a high draft pick than you are looking at the possibility of trying to be a playoff team this year but i i think it would be easier if you're losing you know as you got spanked by montreal if you weren't in these games i mean every one of these games you've, you've kind of had the lead and you can't finish with anything right it, it is death by a thousand cuts. I think it's easier for this fan base to go, man, we just got blown up by the Oilers. We're not even good. But when you go, yeah, we, we actually could have beaten Winnipeg. We, we should have taken three out of four from Calgary. doesn't work that way. It makes it tougher for them. Uh, so do you know what you have? I know you're not good enough, but you do think, is there something there that allows you to compete for 20, 40 minutes against good hockey teams, but just not mentally strong enough? See if they figure it out. It's it's even it's even just trying to compete for 20 minutes and and look how many times have I said this over the last few weeks these goals at the end of the period that just absolutely come back to haunt you and it happened again late in the first period a goal that should have never gone in a goal that Thatcher Demko should have had but you know what you take you take the Oilers off life support right it's a 3-1 game after 20 instead of three nothing. And honestly, you allow teams to get back into it. They did it with the Flames. They did it with the Jets. Just nonstop, and it continues to be a problem. All right, uh, 37 minutes after 8 o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. James and Perry Canucks back at it tomorrow night at Rogers Arena again with those Sprite Can jerseys against the Edmonton Oilers once again. But, hey, look, the Good Deeds Cup is winding down. Got to get those votes in, and I'll tell you what – there's one of our own, one of our own BC teams that are in the contention for a chance to win $100,000 to then donate to the charity of their choice. And joining us this morning, Anna Warhurst from the Victoria Admirals BC representatives for the Good Deeds Cup. Nice. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. Well, you guys are in the mix. Give us a sense of how you guys got here on the dance floor. Where's, where's the Good Deeds coming from with this team? So this year, because it's the good, best good deed not yet done, we had to come up with a great pitch to throw out there to Chevy to get them to pick us. So we uh, decided to team up with the Children's Health Foundation of Vancouver Island and draw a comparison between the equipment that they are able to provide for kids with physical and mental health challenges and the equipment that our players use every day on the ice. So safety and mobility equipment, everybody needs it. It's an awesome cause, and I want to ask you this as a hockey mom. What has the year been like? Like, how have the Admirals, has it just been practicing all year? How tough has it been for the kids? We we had some games at the beginning of the season, and then we got rolled back to Phase 2, and uh, even scrimmage was gone. So we went from even having shared ice with scrimmage back to just our own teams on the ice with spacing. And uh, so it's been a little bit odd. But the interesting flip on that is because it's been like that, we were able to actually focus more on doing this pitch because nice. we weren't being distracted by tournaments and games and all the other activities that kids do. And we've been able to turn practices into all sorts of things like Carolyn Ouellette came up with a celly for us. So we filmed the kids doing cellies. We got that out on Twitter and Facebook. Um, we got some love back from Carolyn for that. So we never would have done that had this been a normal year. So we were able to flip the script and make it a little more fun for the kids uh, because just practice only can be a bit of a grind. It's the worst. 
We're in it for the games, right? Yes. Or, well, that's what we hope. To, we get it. Yeah, exactly. You want to play. I mean, you want to play the games. I mean, kids, I, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. But listen, you guys, this is a good thing what you're doing. So, hey, look, time's running out for people to want to vote. How do we do it? You go to goodbeescup.ca. All the pitches are there. Go find ours at the bottom of the screen. Hit vote now. Go for it. You've got till 11.59 p.m. Eastern. I say it that way because we do have fans all the way across Canada. Yeah. So uh, get on it now. You can vote once a day. So just maybe right now is a really good time to do it. Has this, uh, quickly, Anne, has this been a group that's been together for a long time, or are they, are they in and out, or, is there, or do you have a core group here? Uh, we've got a number of players that have played together for a few years. So the two Sandwich and Victoria Associations amalgamated a couple of years ago. and uh, But I know a number of the coaches I've been working with for the last few years. So, uh, and some of these kids, my son has played with since the very beginning. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this is where BC can win. Get out and vote everybody. It's a great cause. Uh, Good on the, good on the team to decide this is what you want and, and best of luck. Let's hope everybody uh, gives you that final push and we win one on the West coast. Thank you. We really appreciate the love. Thanks, Anna. Or, uh, Anna Warhurst uh, from the Victoria Admirals, the BC representatives for the Good Deeds Cup. You can vote until tonight at 9 o'clock. So basically, watch Young Rock and then – actually, no. Oh, Young Rock was last night. I missed it. Oh, Do you man. watch that? I was Well, I, I watched the premiere last week, and then uh, the Canucks game was on. Oh, I totally missed it. So there you go. Uh, so anyway, vote 9 o'clock tonight, and then uh, hopefully the – The kids from the island can deliver $100,000 to the charity of their choice, uh, which is the Children's Health Foundation of Vancouver. Hey, look, if somebody's willing to donate, and like like Chevrolet is willing to do, to donate $100,000 for a charity, why not make it a charity here in our own community right here? And we can do it here in B.C. on the island. Support those kids. They're doing a good job. And you know what? All it does is take a little click. We can do that, right? It's like just as easy as just liking something on social media, right? We can do that. Let's do that. Uh, it's great at Anna says, I mean, and you're in it, you know, I know you weren't coaching this year, but, uh, the number of kids that are out there on the ice and having to play and go, Hey man, pivot a little bit here. We'd, we'd love to play games. We can't. So here's how we can focus here. So we can make a difference in our community. Hey, they'll remember this at U13, what they did, if they win it and how they can help out just makes the community better as, uh, you know, maybe we don't have to be concerned that kids for the last 12 months have been raised by day drinking parents. Uh, some are still doing the right thing, right? Yeah. Uh, 841, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show. A lot of you jumping in with your thoughts as well. This is the great thing about Canucks Nation, right? It is a passionate fan base, even when it's going sideways. We'll share some of your thoughts on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, and we'll do it next right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup. Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. I'll wake you up. <laughs> oh, my God. I sat in a mosh pit at, a, at an Offspring concert about 10 years ago and just got my ass kicked. Uh, but Nelson and uh, Nelson and Kelowna and East Van Tommy both sharing uh, a similar mindset here with this one, both suggesting the Offspring. Have you ever further Canucks in a song this morning here on the starting lineup? A presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality 
and community as the uh, Canucks, I mean, no signs of stopping this falling as they've now lost, what, 10 of the last 12 games, Paraman? I'm trying, like, even when Derek Pouliot and Eric Goodbranson were manning the blue line, I don't think they had a run quite as epically terrible as this one right now. Hey, Goodbranson's playing 20 minutes in the Senators organization, and they're playing with a lot of heat and playing hard. Uh, and deservedly get the two points against Montreal last night, so go figure. Uh, so many texts coming in, which speaks to the passion. Uh, Canuck core believer uh, said this, and, and I won't get into it. He, the perfect world, Markstrom would have been re-signed two to three years. I'm tired of the Markstrom and the TANF that's done. He said, unfortunately, the eventual required transitions happened this year and has been even more pronounced for this shortened season. Relax, Canuck Nation. I will say this. I agree with them in the fact that there are no off nights. You are playing a good hockey team in Winnipeg. You're playing a good hockey team in Edmonton, in Toronto, and they saw Montreal at their best. Next year in a real world, when you see the San Jose's and you see Anaheim and you see and you see what's going on with L.A., although they've gotten a little bit better, you will be a better hockey team. You will not always be the one that has to be perfect because it feels like the Canucks have to be perfect to win some of these matchups, and they're just not. So it is, I think, the step backwards to take a step forward next year. It's, you know what, look, three years from now or four years from now, you may not like that Markstrom contract, right? I think we were both of the same opinion going back about six months ago on this sort of, hey, do you commit that sort of money to Jacob Markstrom for six years? I, I, I was kind of a hard pass on that. But for the for, for the short term, for the now, this is a big problem for the Vancouver Canucks because you've regressed at a key position for this team. Look, you got your goaltending right now is giving you a save percentage below nine. That is awful. Like this, in the 1980s, you could get away with it. In 2021, that is a recipe for death. And not to say that this all falls on goaltending pair, but your goaltending just has not been good enough this season. Bubble Demko, man, it has it has disappeared much like Bubble Bobble from the 1980s. Yeah, and, and I think those numbers are skewed because of the start this team had and the mistakes that they were they were giving up and putting on their goalie. But, you know, we don't have to go far. We talked about it with Holpe on Sunday night, and you can talk about it in the first one given up by Thatcher Demko. I don't know if it's going to be the glaring problem. It's one of the problems right now, but, James, I'm not throwing those guys under the bus. And as Corey Hirsch said, if nothing else, if you're resigned to the fact, although you, could, you can dream and blue sky it that they could get on a run here, play Thatcher Demko. Play him a lot, play him three-quarters of the way, and see what you have and let him learn. You don't need to see what Braden Holpe's all about. Your future is Thatcher Demko, so let him get the experience right now. Uh, Island Lover had this submission on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. A little Ray Charles. Here we go again. Here we go again. The phone will ring Just, you know, you just want to... Grab a bottle of brown liquor and just have at her after another result oh. where you blow a three nothing lead. I just, I just imagine the guys coming back from commercial break, you know, when there's three minutes left, and rather than the uppity music, you play this before Shorty and Cheech and, and Batch and Hershey start talking about the play again. Because we all saw it coming last night. Everybody saw it coming. Oh, just, uh, just painful. Jordan and Langley, uh, stop dragging my heart around from Stevie Nicks. Yeah, that sums it up. Uh, some other fun submissions. We can't we can't hit the music too, but honorable mention to uh, 
How about uh, another offspring suggestion? Uh, get a job. Uh, that Goldie submitting that one, saying dedicating that one to uh, Jim Benning. Um, another one. Uh, somebody else submitting uh, day drinking by Little Big Town. How many people motivated? It's just shaping up to be actually a pretty nice day out there. It might be a good day for day drinking to try to just uh, you know blow off Slack some around. steam about your, uh, your your hometown team struggling again. Again, Slater and Slater in Michigan in Mission Communication Breakdown, which seems to be uh, what it's all about, right? You, you can't figure it out, can't get the communicating done, and they watch it disappear. Martinsky suggesting changes by David Bowie. Yeah, I, I mean, if uh, look, you've lost tw- you've lost ten of the last twelve. Um, at some point, you may not be able to continue living off that eleven-day-old uh, vote of confidence from Francesco Aquilini, right? I mean, if, if this trend continues, lose, you lose these three uh, with Edmonton and these two more against the Jets. I mean, if you had, if, if you were still optimistic and believing right now, that would be completely dead and gone. Like, you're not catching Edmonton at eight points back right now. You know, Toronto's already locked up one spot. So now that kind of leaves two spots. But there's a lot of leapfrogging. I mean, the Ottawa Senators are closing in right now on the Canucks pair. They're five points back, and they've got two games in hand. You know, enjoy the Canucks every 60 minutes if that's possible. And if they do win, just don't look at the standings. Enjoy the games for what they are and don't look at the standings, right? It, it, it's like your portfolio portfolio in the summertime. But don't look at it, right? So maybe they can play well, and, and it, it would be a month of this before you go, hey, take a peek. Uh, Bill suggesting the Monday Night Football Classic from Dandy Don Meredith, turn out the lights, the party's over. May very well be the case, but – you're thinking about next year and what can you fix and what will be done. And considering what happened in Montreal and the dismissal of Claude Julien and coach, there's still a lot of questions and you wonder where the answers will come from as far as this organization is concerned. Always interesting. Well, it has been uh, an interesting day to say the least. Also, uh, big news out of Montreal this morning as well. Claude Julien uh, out as head coach, replaced by Dominic Ducharme on an interim basis in Montreal. Tiger Woods, obviously, I mean, the last 24 hours, and you know, his golf career could effectively be over after a horrible crash that he was involved in and had several screws, rods, and pins inserted into his shattered legs. So uh, a lot, all, all the positive news, right? Uh, oh, my yeah. goodness. Um, we'll be back at it tomorrow, same bat time. Same bat channel, the Scott Rintoul Show, with much more on what's unfolded over the last 24 hours. That's coming up next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.